What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff the people you love most because that's what i've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success i've been telling everybody that i give them in a shady but every time i do my family thinks i'm crazy the hollow earth ufos aliens invading fluoride in the water they spray our skies daily when i talk about these things they think i'm crazy there's no escaping anymore the evil that we're facing illuminati might control the sacrificing babies the end of days but anyways my family thinks i'm crazy what they don't want to listen to they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They're just like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? listening to the my family thinks i'm crazy 2023 year in review the best year in review show you'll hear all year sit back and enjoy as mystic mark interviews a variety of guests in this podcast extravaganza let the show begin it's gonna make me crazy just like he is it's not gonna make you crazy ba it's just gonna make you mellow you can even room with me at the va i'll have him bring in an extra bunk and you and i can watch the walls melt we saw scared the shit out of us the UFO, basically. It came over my house, started shining lights in our bedroom. The whole neighborhood blacked out at first. It came because I was asking for it to come. To let me know who I am, you know what I mean? I've been here. This ain't my first time living on this planet. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. This is the kickoff for 2023 year in review on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You know who I am. And today joining me is a very special guest, someone who my girlfriend thinks I have a, a bromance with. And hey, you can't spell bromance without Roman. So here we are today back again on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Rising from the Ashes Swapcast, and uh, I'm excited to have you back on the show, dude. This is this is a big year. We uh, really we did a lot, you know, Esoteric America. We've done a bunch of interviews with different guests together. So I think 2024 will just uh, be more of the same in that sense so it's cool to have you on the show i think it's a you're a perfect person to kick off this episode with and i got seven or eight nine i don't remember how many people uh, also that i've interviewed so we're going to be doing a bunch with this podcast so what folks are hearing right now is just the intro then we're going to kick it into a couple of more segments but roman and i we're going to be joining you uh throughout the whole episode so we're going to be in the front of the episode the back of the episode, 
spliced out in between in the middle. But before we get to that, Roman, uh, you're the person that I called. I said, you know what? I've done it with other people in the past. We've done uh, a 2023 or a 2022 review with Juan and Thomas last year. They both couldn't make it this year. They're holiday uh, vacationing, which is awesome for them. Uh, but I said, you know what? Roman and I, we've been working on a lot of stuff. Roman, I think he... Only one man could save the day. He's the one man who could save the day. From esoteric America to rising from the ashes, from food trucks to boats on the coasts of tropical islands, Roman Merrill joins me here on the show. <laughs> Roman, without further ado... What's up, dude? Hey, brother. Oh, wow. Thank you. What a, what a fun and a fun and dandy intro that was, brother. Dude, uh, I'm stoked. Uh, I think that we have some uh, fun and tantalizing and entertaining and engaging ways uh, to bring this episode uh, and this year in review uh, to, an, to an end and, and, and close. Close out this year. I mean, shit. It has been wild ride, right? The year of the poly crisis, said by none other than the the WEF, the WEF at the Davos this last year, and they Dude. hit it right on the money. Uh, <laughs> we saw the so many shit shows. Um, but yeah, man, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm always stoked to do the things, and I'm really looking forward to this inevitable crazy fucking year that we're going to have ahead of us uh, as we're running into another presidential election. Right. And what that, that, that's going to look like. And, but with that all to do, we have some non-political things to bring up with you guys and very uh, fun, paranormal, uh, psychosomatic situations to, to, to delve in and dimensional things and well said, things to yes. ponder on the curiosities. So yes. I'm really excited about that. And I'm really glad that you are such a uh, free, open-minded human that uh, is also open to just so many fucking ideas. Like it just, you know, well, we're gonna you're be a wealth into, of, of goodness. So I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure. We're going to be getting into a ton of weird stuff. Um, since this is kind of like the beginning segment, I'm glad you said that because, yeah, we should explain what people are in for. Uh, you're going to be hearing from a ton of different people on this episode, people who have uh, joined me on the show as a guest. Uh, most of them have their own podcast. Uh, some of them are comedians. Some of them are researchers, authors. So we got a cool group of people for this uh, 2023 year in review. Uh, but Roman and I, we're going to be reading some of the strangest stories from 2023 in the paranormal cryptid realm. And this all comes from a website that I've become a huge fan over, of over the past few years. I've definitely talked about them more than I should <laughs> on this podcast because yeah, they do a better podcast than I do in some ways. But, uh, you know, there's plenty of room for us all in this uh, grand podcast sphere. So I have no trouble promoting Mysterious Universe and MysteriousUniverse.org specifically where we're going to be getting uh, the majority of these stories from. 
Uh, I'm not going to read directly from the stories on Mysterious Universe. I'll let you guys go and do that yourselves. But we did take some of the source stories, some articles from uh, news outlets like Daily Star and the Daily Mail and all kinds of other tabloid-type news agencies that occasionally post cryptid, strange, weird stories. And Mysterious Universe does a really good job of accumulating those, specifically their head editor, Paul Seaburn. So big shout out to Paul Seaburn. He's someone we got to get on the show, Roman, uh, Paul Seaburn. I think he would be a great guest for Esoteric America and definitely a great guest for what we do with our interviews. I think you and I have a good balance of ideas and approaches, perspectives, and we're literally coast to coast (laughs) you know what i mean i mean i'm an east coast guy you're a west coast guy you're all the way out in the freaking free associated states of the oceana now uh, aka hawaii debatably a part of the united states but still um awesome to to do this with you i have a list here that i'm gonna go through because i got to give all the kind people their due credit I'm going to give some shout-outs to the Patreon supporters who have really come in clutch and helped me out big time this year. And also, I'm going to give a shout-out to all the podcasts that had me as a guest. But while I start reading off this list, I want you, Roman, to just pull out your phone, look through the RSS feed. Maybe this will already come to you and you don't even need to look at the RSS feed, but look at your own RSS feed for Rising for the Ashes and just think, like, who was your favorite guest? What was the favorite topic you guys tackled? I know Rising from the Ashes is in a sort of transitionary period now as a podcast, so uh, there's a sort of new format. But since we're reflecting on uh, 2023, yeah, maybe take a moment to do that. But I, I got to give a big shout out to the Patreons. I'm going to do that uh, after I do this, only because I have the list right in front of me for the podcast. But I want to, I just want a big, big hug, virtual audio hug to all the people who were kind enough to have me on their podcast. Uh, If they are listening, I'm sure some of them are too busy to listen. But hey, if you're listening and you're not a podcast host, maybe you don't know that these podcasts exist. Maybe you don't know that I was interviewed on these podcasts. So please go and check out these podcasts, show them some love. And right off the top, I got to give a big shout out to Occult Symbolism and Popular Culture, which is Isaac Weisop's podcast. He had a a podcast called Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture, changed the name uh, to Occult Symbolism and Popular Culture or and Pop Culture, which I like the, the name change. And I was proud to be a guest on his show in 2023. That was awesome. Isaac's the man and listening to his year in review show kind of inspired me in a way to do this. So let's go through the list. So right off at the top of the year, I was a guest on Michael Hoffman's podcast, which is awesome because I interviewed Michael Hoffman. I encouraged him to start a podcast. He started a podcast and then had me on as his first guest. Uh, Definitely an interesting guest. I hope to have him back on in 2024, but that was great. Haven't spoken to him much since, but looking forward to the next conversation. 
Then we got Legit Bat, classic. Been podcasting with them since day one. Shout out to Joe, Jen, and Ben. Uh, Barbarian Noetics had me on as a guest. Shout out to my friend Brendan. Uh, Digging with Chris Graves. Chris had me on. Shout out to Chris. Uh, Forbidden Knowledge News, another Chris. Chris Matthews, of course, or Chris Matthew. Um, then we got the my friends over down there in uh, Appalachia. AI, Appalachian Intelligence. Shout out to those boys. Uh, Roman stepped away i was gonna give him big props for having me on his show but we'll we'll wait for that i think he had to step away to get a drink or something um hitchhiker's guide to the truth with james cordner shout out to him uh and the amish inquisition podcast with phil phil was on the show recently talking about his uap sighting uh, we got the universal dialectic podcast that was a great conversation Go and check that show out. Uh, Interverse, Chance had me back on the show. Another person I've been podcasting with uh, for a long time. Great guy. Uh, Project Cheney, another person I've been podcasting with for a while. Some people might not know, but Cheney used to have a podcast with a, a gentleman named Jonathan. Shout out to him. Uh, Idiocalypse. This is where I met the great Alex Stein, who was supposed to be joining me for this episode, but maybe he will make it up to me and we will do an interview soon. Hopefully, Alex Stein is joining us. I don't think I did any shows with Alex Stein in 2023. I did, I think I did meet up with him, unless that was in 2022. Uh, but Roman's back, and I was definitely a guest on Rising from the Ashes at least once in 2023. So we got to include that in there. Thank you, Roman. Shout out to Dan. Um, Wednesday Ultra. I was a co-host for a while on this show. Uh, just got to be too much. Uh, every Wednesday was was too much. <laughs> I couldn't commit to that. Uh, but they're all great guys over there. Shout out to Wednesday Ultra. Uh, let's get freaky pod. Talking about cryptids. Talking about weird stuff. Uh, I was on the farm Mach 2 with Steven Snyder, recently a guest on the show. Uh, Expanding Reality with Brandon Thomas. Uh, Bread and Circuses, that was a, a fun new podcast. Another new podcast I was on, Free Ideas with Rex. One-on-one, uh, -on -one, of course, I'm doing shows with Juan all the time. And then another big one for me, The Confessionals podcast with Tony Merkel. That was huge. Uh, really grateful to be a part of Tony's uh, podcast friends uh, and all that good stuff doing podcasts with Tony. He should be joining us on the show in the new year to talk about his latest work, his latest documentaries, all that stuff. Roman, any thoughts here? I'm just I'm just spinning my wheels. It's getting late over here for folks listening. We're recording this very late in the evening for me, uh, but. Man, you were on a lot of shows this year. I'm not including even done doing, yet. In, including doing all of your own uh, shows and inside shows that we've done and That's a lot. stuff. Uh, one of the main shows that we did together that I was I was stoked on was a, like a little series that um, I, fo I followed a thread of series of just talking about vampires and modern yes. vampirism. Um, 
little uh, Renfield Renfield syndrome. Yeah. So we talked with Dr. Michael Bell. That was really fun. But you know, one of my um, favorite guests that I had on. Uh, oh, hold on. Rising. Oh, we're not there yet. Oh, so my let apologies. Me, my apologies. Let me finish my list because I'm almost done. But I do want to hear that. <laughs> I do want to hear. I just don't want it to break the list up too much. Um, shout out to Rising from the Ashes again. Uh, Wicked Planet podcast. Our buddy Ron. You're going to hear from him in this episode. Uh, Paranoid American started his own podcast, which I was a guest on. I also did a couple shows with him. Uh, not necessarily podcasts, but more like YouTube shows. So go and check those out. I think they're only available on Patreon. Uh, but the episode is definitely available. Blue Collar Mystics with Owen Hunt. Roman Knows Owen. Uh, a new podcast again, Nephilim Death Squad. Those guys are great. They're really crushing it. Coming out, pulling pulling no punches. Great guys. And then, of course, The Crown Jewel, my favorite podcast ever. Uh, my number one podcast, closest, near and dear to my heart, despite what the haters say, Tinfoil Hat. I was on the show twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mentioned a ton. I was mentioned on Broken Sim, which was crazy. I was uh, lit up in the chats on the Tinfoil Hat Live. Roman was able to witness that. So you know where to find me. I'm always doing shows with Sam. Very grateful to do that. And yeah, that that takes that takes the cake. Tinfoil Hat's always my favorite um, podcast to do. Stressful sometimes but always a ton of fun. And that's my list, brother. So yeah, tons of podcasts. It's it's been a long it's been a long year, I'll just say that. But um tell us while we're here, what was your favorite show of uh 2023 or favorites? So, uh yeah, it was kind of a strange year compared to 2022 when Rising from the Ashes was you know, doing a lot of shows. We were doing multiple shows going on to shows. 2023 was definitely a year where we took a bit of a, uh, of a hiatus towards the end and Dan has retired from the show. Um, but we had a lot of really thick, it was like a, we had finally come into like a, a congealed format where we had so much research under our belt. And, and we were becoming better interviewers and everything. So though it wasn't as like many shows as we did in the previous years, there were a lot of really good ones. And one of my favorite guests that I was able to find was an amazing woman by the name of Maria Wheatley. Now she lives in England. She is in a fantastic author and she had some crazy amazing <laughs> things uh, to tell us that blew my mind. So much so that I had to bring her on to the show that I was doing with Kaylee Burkana, who is an astrologist. But Maria Wheatley, she uh, wrote a book called Druidic Soul Star Astrology. And if you guys go back and listen to that episode, it's number 102. She has some really interesting stuff talking about the inner sacred waters of the planet and how the Druids would follow these. And not that the lunar cycles of the full moon and the new moon this is my number one takeaway of that episode. Not the full moon and the new moon that were the most highly worshipped to these ancient Celtic 
uh, um, peoples, but six days before and six days after. So we know that the lunar, the lunar cycles control the tides of the outer surface waters, but it's the mid lunar cycle that controls the inner waters and the tides of the inner waters. And those were sacred to the ancient peoples. Um, and that ties into a lot of esoterica mysteries about their, you know, being a vitriolic source or a hollow earth source or something along those lines. And so, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites. Um, Freddie Silva, we had on for the second time. Um, also, he's always a good, good chat. Like I just, I love Freddie. His works are great. His documentaries are beautiful. Um, and he's a relatively like, you know, kind of big timey guest with all of his, his work. You know, he just, he does such a good job of uh, showcasing his, his books and his movies and things. Uh, but yeah, definitely she's not very well known, you know, uh, but I think she really blew the top off a lot. And I think she's a fantastic guest that I will absolutely talk to again. And I would love to like, just team it up with you and chat with her too. Cause she's just a super cool woman, uh, that has a lot of gnosis and the, uh, and the ancient mysteries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We got to schedule that. So I don't want to leave my Patreons high and dry. The supporters who are, are still with me, although there are some people that have supported come and gone. Uh, if you want to come back, I'd love to see you back. People, uh, some people have supported really generously and then, uh, mysteriously, uh, canceled their sign up and that's fine but i think you know uh over the past few months i've really stepped it up uh as far as patreon goes so to all those people who have supported in the past and canceled in the past uh consider signing up again to support the show um but these are these are shout outs for people who are still supporting the show. So sorry if you did support in 2023 but canceled. Uh, I can't give you a shout out, but I do do love love the support and I do appreciate you. So thank you. Uh, but I got to give a big shout out to my man Kent Woods, OG supporter. He's been here since 2021, and he has uh, also been a guest on Esoteric America. So real cool dude. Roman and I both know Kent. He's a musician. Go and check out his stuff. You just type in Kent Woods. I believe he's on Spotify. If not, check him out on YouTube. Um, Next up, we got to give a big shout out to Kevin Francisco. Super generous dude. Super kind. He's been with us since the beginning as well. At the $50 tier. So he is a G. Uh, I cannot express how grateful i am to people like him he's even supported me on the side here and there um with bitcoin or i forget ethereum that's what it was um so yeah shout out to my man kevin um kimberly shout out to kimberly she's been supporting us uh, on and off it seems for a while i don't know maybe she switched her card up but thank you kimberly for being here rob you know how much I appreciate you, brother. You're the man. Rob's a G. I know him in real life, too. Um, thanks to the podcast. Uh, shout out to Amber supporting the show at the $33 tier. She is awesome. Um, 
$33 tier is the best. You get all kinds of great stuff. You get access to all the books that I've written. They're small. They're not huge books, but one day, one day there will be a bunch of books in that best friend book club for people written by me. Uh, maybe in 2024, we'll see some new books written, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to speed this up. Big shout out to, uh, Michelle, big shout out to, um, Michael. Thank you, Michael. He's been supporting the $33 tier and so is Michelle G. Michelle is a G and I think I sent her a book last year. So shout out to her, um, Frisco kid. What's up, brother? Masha, Michael, uh, Brenda at the $33 tier. You're awesome. So sweet of you. Um, next up, this guy, Party Marty, Marty at the party, $44 tier. He is a G. I, you know, these are the people that help me continue the podcast. So I don't mind spending time talking about how grateful I am, but Roman is here. So I'm going to try to speed this up. Uh, people listening, you know, maybe maybe this is an incentive. You know, you sign up on the Patreon, and I'll give you a shout-out. We used to give out spirit animal names to everybody on the Patreon, but uh, it's a lot to keep up with. So, I mean, it's not that many, but I'm thinking maybe we bring that back for 2024. Maybe we, bring, maybe we do, like, a live show, and we'll give out names to people on the live show. Roman will be there. Um, you remember that Roman, you got a name back in the day and then, um, let's see some more $33 tier people that I got to give a shout out to big shout out to Mike T big shout out to Tom a who paid for the year up front, which was awesome. That really helped out, came in clutch right before the Christmas holiday week. So, was able to do some shopping and spread the love, give some nice gifts. That definitely helped. So, yeah, big shout-out to everybody on the Patreon, but especially people up at those big tiers, uh, $50, $44, and $33. I mean, super generous to some people, you know. That's not a lot of money, you know, to give to someone each month. I'm sure there's charities that people donate to for, you know, more money a month. So uh, if you're listening to this free episode and you don't want to hear the ads, uh, sign up and support the show. You do have tons of incentives, but uh, I'll get off my soapbox, and let's get into some of these segments. Uh, Roman, I'm excited to record these with you. Uh, Anything you want to say before we kick this show off and jump over to the first interview with my man uh, Ron from New England? Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody that supports independent uh, content creators uh, is really like benefiting to that realm and to this realm in which, you know, we're keeping community tight and going through these. And the support is, you know, it's so much appreciated as an independent content creator myself. I can't tell you how many times it's come incredibly handy um, you know, it takes a lot of grueling hours to like kind of do this, but we do it for love. We do it for the love of Gnosis and for, um, you know, just keeping these stories alive and stories going. 
um, you know, the oral tradition that it is. And, and so I just want to say, I, yeah, I mean, like, thank you guys so much. There's nothing more important than supporting each other in any way that we can. And this is a huge part of it. And so it uh, doesn't go unnoticed and it is incredibly appreciative. And if you can support in any way that you can, in, even if that is by talking about the show, sharing it, liking, subscribing, all those things. Right. But whatever you can do, uh, a little bit goes a long way. And so, um, it's, it's very amazing to see everybody doing that stepping up in the times that we're living in. And yeah, it's just wonderful. So can't, can't plays enough. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And there's, even more people that I'm like, oh, I got to give these people a shout out because they've been supporting since like 2021. Gabby, Jonah, Jim Jam, John, Joe, Alex Stein has even supported the show since 2021. So tons of awesome people on the Patreon. I'm going to give uh, give them a full shout out moving forward in the outros and whatnot. I'm going to do more shout outs because I really got to Got to spread the love more. But anyways, Roman, let's go over to our segment with Ron, and we'll be back, folks, after that with a paranormal story from When they're telling you it's aliens, that's the moment I stop thinking it's aliens. I'm, it's aliens all the way up until the government starts Yeah, that's a great aliens. point. You're, you're all in on aliens, and then when they're like, hey, it's aliens, we're like, fuck you, it's not aliens. I'm like, nah. There's no way you're being honest with us. Oh, we've just decided to be honest with you. For the first time? Right. Yeah. If it was aliens and they did have aliens, they would say it was their shit. They're just trying to, I guess you're right, just yeah. kind of see what, you know, see what this technology well, could do. Also, it's a great way to get people off the trail. You know, if you oh, just say, yeah. look, there's aliens, you know, we, we have no idea where these crafts are coming from. They're from other worlds. Right. These planets that can sustain life that are, that are light years away, that we're, we're unable to. Let's find out where the closest one is. Yeah, where is this planet? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy 2023 Year in Review, Reflect and Process This incredibly crazy year we've all just endured together i didn't do this for 2022 nor did i do it for 2021 but moving forward with the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast i'm going to set the goal to do this once a year where we have all of our friends that we podcast with specifically other podcasters on the show to help promote their podcasts and also to help 
promote this unity among podcasters that I kind of kicked off with Alt Media United. Although there was unity before me and Alt Media United, I like to think that I brought some cohesion to at least the podcasts that I like to listen to. And they're all there on altmediaunited.com. And without further ado, one of my best friends from altmediaunited.com, the host of the Wicked Planet podcast. I met him early, early in my podcast journey. And folks who know this show know him well. He is Ron Lane. Ron from New England, host of the Wicked Planet podcast. And he's joining me to kick off this 2023 year in review. What's up, Ron? Hey, Mark. Yeah, so thanks for having me come on. I think this is a great idea. And 2023 is definitely a year that's going to stand out in history for sure on so many different levels. Yeah. Yeah, right right in the beginning of the year, there was a sort of, are we going to go through this whole COVID thing again? Are they just going to ramp it up? And I think luckily it was, we saw the end of the COVID pandemic at the beginning of 2023. So that kind of, that got my hopes up. But as the year went on, it certainly, certainly didn't disappoint as far as dismayment and paranoia, you know. Well, well, I think you can, you can say is, you know, they, they wrote that, they wrote that whole thing for as long as they could and. Yes. When it, when it, when it looked like it was just petering out, which it basically did, except for, of course, now we're getting hit with it again. Excuse me. But there was a lot of natural disasters and a lot of unnatural disasters. And I don't mean just in the United States, although we could go over a few of them that were just United States, but, but yeah, 2023, you know, we, it's just like every year, you know, you're coming into a new year. You're thinking, okay, let's try to make, you know, Let's try to make this a better year than the one before, because nobody wants to relive 2022 or 2021. Yeah. Right. Or sure. 2020. I mean, nobody wants to relive the last three or four years. Yeah. No, no doubt. And, I think. Go ahead. And, and then we start getting hit like one thing right after the other, mm. which, which to me, it's like the whole, the whole chaos narrative where, you know, people don't have any time in between you know, disaster news or political news or anything like that to kind of assess what's going on. And, and it kind of makes you wonder, do they, is this, you know, when I say they, right. Like we don't really know who they are, except for we like to call them the cabal, the cabal, or we call them the cabal (laughs) or or we call them the, they, thems. That's, (laughs) That's what we call them on the show. And, but I mean, you know, it used to be if you had a, like a disaster or something happened, you know, something crazy. And it would be, you know, some amount of time, like weeks or even months until something else would come along. And then what, what people like us would do is, you know, kind of research that whole situation and see if there's anything attached to it that's nefarious. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, as a conspiracy theorist, you know, and even sometimes I don't really like to call myself that, but. But you, you look at any type of event that's going on, you're like, okay, let's look into the depth of it here and let's see what's really going on. Who are the players? Who's qui bono? You know, who's going to benefit from it? And let's, let's just see if we can, you know, find out if this was natural or if this was man-made. Yeah. Or, or in a term that a lot of people in our community like to use, 
is it a false flag of some sort? Mm. And, and, and I think when you have time to kind of, you know, look into all of it and make your discernments, that's fine. But when you get hit with them once a week or once every couple of days, because it's never ending, 2023 was never ending. Like right from the get go. Yeah. Well, and we're you know, gonna we're gonna talk about some of the crazy events. I was surprised just reviewing twenty twenty three at the stories that I weren't aware of, like the biggest cyclone in, in Earth's history hit in twenty twenty three. The longest lasting so I don't know if it was the deadliest, but it was the longest lasting cyclone in Earth's history, Cyclone Freddy. So a couple of wet record breakers this year. Is that the one that actually bypassed Hawaii? and hit japan or was that the one that was in jakarta i think jakarta that was a yeah. that was in the indian ocean oceana area um, okay yeah yeah but there were there were other tropical storms that yeah caused some some havoc and i remember one of them just bypassing hawaii was that pre maui fires or or during same time yeah i was gonna say that was yeah. like <laughs> that was like almost a perfect storm there but no cyclone freddy was in february and march so earlier than that yeah so you know if you go on you know any of the sites like even if you go on fema or whatever they give you kind of a timeline of disasters right and i was just kind of looking at that the other day because i don't know what i was doing i was researching something and and, and you should see the list. I mean, stuff that never even made the news that would, you know, I mean, because there's so many things in the news cycle that, you know, I think they pick and choose and they give you the most heinous thing. Mm. But, you know, when you start looking into that, of course, any type of, you know, weather anomaly or, or natural disaster based on climate is going to get, it's going to get pushed right to the front of the news cycle, right? Because they want to make sure that they can, you know, push the climate change narrative. Mm. And because, you know, for years we've been told, well, you know, climate change is going to be more extreme weather, bigger storms, batter hurricanes, batter tornadoes. And I mean, and I mean, and we've seen that, you know, we've seen that, but we've also seen very few days of crystal blue, clear skies, mm. meaning, they keep spraying stuff in the air. And whenever you see that, it seems like it's only a day or two and we're getting a really bad rainstorm or we're getting some form of, uh, you know, extreme weather that's causing tornadoes. We're getting hurricanes. We're getting all this stuff. So, you know, again, that kind of leads you to believe of the whole weather manipulation kind of deal that a lot of us look into because we know that, you know, I mean, at my age, I've experienced a lot of summers. I've experienced a lot of winters and I've experienced a lot of storms, but I got to say, you know, not storms like we used to have, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the sense of, you know, I, I don't ever remember getting the amount of rain that we get like we've gotten this year, this last, this last summer, I want to say it rained for 17 weekends. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was an awful, awful summer. Yeah. And I then all the, all the really catastrophic tornadoes they had down in tornado alley and then tornadoes in places that don't typically have tornadoes, like New England. Mm. You know, I mean, you're going to expect to see that stuff down in, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, Kentucky, in case I didn't already say that. I mean, that's all kind of Hurricane Alley, right? Mm. 
you're, I mean, excuse me, tornado alley, but you're seeing them all over the place. Now we had tornado warnings in new England on multiple occasions this summer, mm. yeah. but, but we didn't have the massive electrical storms that we used to get. It's interesting. You mentioned the amount of precipitation we got considering it was the year of the water rabbit. We're heading, heading into the year of the green wood dragon. We were in the black water rabbit year, and now we're heading to the green wood dragon, which is a prosperous sort of theme. Green wood is kind of earthy, green, obviously, money, envy, that sort of thing. And, it, and the dragon is like the, I don't know if the Zodiac has a hierarchy, but if it did, the dragon would probably be at the top. Although the dragon was not, a, I don't believe, an original member of the Chinese Zodiac. The, the rat was the, was the original hierarchy <laughs> winner of the Zodiac, and, uh, at least how the legend goes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a weird weather year. And I feel like we're going to keep saying that just for the next possibly few decades, because it seems like the Earth is in a change period right now where we are going from a, a globally colder climate to a globally warmer climate. That's not to say that I believe in quote unquote global warming, but I think we're, you know, we're in some sort of great weather pattern that the elites have knowledge of and are kind of steering humanity's understanding of the weather in a way that suits their agenda. So they know what the weather's going to do, but they keep us ignorant so that they can steer the the agenda of theirs in a certain direction and say, "Oh, well, the weather's going to do this, so we have to do this." Meanwhile, it's it's all mumbo jumbo and just to push their agenda forward. You know, the thing is weather is always changing. So, you know, when they call it climate change, I guess in a sense they're not really making that up because the climate <laughs> is the climate is changing. Always. Yeah. But it's cyclical and it's it's in a constant state of change. Did you under did you realize, Mark, that we are basically still coming out of the last ice age? Right. So it should so, be warmer. So the, the planet yeah, should so, be warmer. Yeah. So so you know, logically, if we're still coming out of the last ice age, then it would make sense that the temperatures were going to be a little warmer, right? Right. I mean, where we are in New England at one time was tropical. Like explain that, right? Well, I mean, I mean, we've yet to get any snow up here. I mean, we had a couple of couple of storms here and there, but got inch of snow, two inches of snow, literally gone in two days. Yeah, you know what I mean. I had to clean my patios off once, and I can remember winters it being so unbelievably cold around New Year's that it was too cold. You didn't even want to go out to first night celebrations, or you didn't want to do anything like that. Mm. Mark, it was almost fifty degrees today. <laughs> yeah. And it's December 29th. Yeah. I, I go outside with my dogs at night to let them out before I go to bed and have a, my last smoke of the night in a t-shirt. <laughs> and it's almost January. Yeah. Right. So, you know, do I think it's, you know, and I don't really want to get into the whole climate debate, but because I think everybody pretty much knows where I stand and you're, you're probably in a similar, similar spot. But, you know, if, if, the last hundred years of the industrial revolution has caused this 
weather change as the elites are trying to lead us to believe then we've got some serious problems because if you really look at the numbers, you know, I always say math doesn't lie. And if you look at the amount of carbon that humans have, you know, made or whatever with the use of, and I don't even like to call it fossil fuels, but you know what I mean? Gas, oil, coal, stuff like that. It's still nothing compared to the eruptions of volcanoes. Well, and that's that's what I was about to mention is I have an article that I saved here that came out this year. There was a solar flare at the beginning of the year, something similar to that, a space weather phenomena that damaged the ozone layer of the Earth so bad that scientists say that if it was, you know, any longer or closer, it would have detriment, you know, done a serious damage to the Earth's ozone, which made me think that must have happened thousands and thousands of times throughout the Earth's history. We must not be fully understanding the ozone layer. What if it's more like a membrane that, you know, and certain times, depending on its chemical makeup, has more porosity than other times. Maybe it's like a porous layer of skin where sometimes it it opens up and lets things out to to free the earth of these, you know, gases and other times it t- closes shut and keeps us safe. I think we need to redefine a lot of what we the way we see the world cuz you know, we tend to think of the world as this fragile, really precious thing that could that could just all go away like that and i feel like that idea is it's it's insidious it's purposefully implanted into the minds of humans to make us think that we live in this precarious time and we all need to work together to save the world and don't ask you know the little details just sign at the dotted line (laughs) all that comes down to is we all need to work together and pay for it that's all their narrative is right Right. Like, like their agenda is they can tax us out of climate change. Right. (laughs) And that's what's going on. But if you looked at any prehistory of the world or whatever in climate, and just like when you look at the data from these, these ice cores that they drill in the Arctic and the Antarctic, it shows that we are doing just fine right now. (laughs) But, but but they have to, they have to instill fear into people just like they did with the COVID agenda. Yeah. Just like what they're doing right now, again, with these sub variants and this other weird sicknesses that are going around. I mean, truthfully, I don't know anybody right now that's not either sick or, or, or isn't feeling great right now. I mean, I hadn't felt great over Christmas. Buckley hadn't been feeling good. My mom has been sick for two or three weeks. She's barely coming out of it. You know, when I, and I get concerned about her, she's 85 years old, you know, and she's not jabbed or anything like that. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, amazing. She's she's never going to be. That's awesome. But, But what a lot of people don't understand is if you look at how much sulfuric acid was dumped into the atmosphere from volcanic activity, just in the last six months of 2023 it's astronomical you would never be able to admit that much carbon or co2 through the use of driving your car or burning your wood stove or turning your thermostat up a couple of degrees it's insane that they expect people to believe this yet they do Mm. 
You know, I mean, I'm okay with the weather, how it is right now. I mean, I'm not into cold weather. I mean, I'm not into all this rain either, but I mean, you know, it's financially, it's taken a lot of burden off of people in New England. Yeah. Because, you know, it gets cold up here. We spend, we spend thousands of dollars a winter just heating your home or your business. Heating your home, shoveling snow, salting your, your, you know, yard, sidewalks, driveways, paying for a guy to come and plow or, or do it yourself. You know, I mean, and it's, it's costing people money too, because there's a whole contingency of landscape guys who do snow removal in the winter guys like me who you know do odd jobs i i take a but you know a little lap around my neighborhood and just shovel the the elderly you know and do them a favor for a couple bucks but yeah it's it's weird and i wonder you know i don't want to spend too much more time talking about weather because i think you and i ought to do a whole podcast just on this topic alone um but I remember as a kid, you know, being born in 1994 and growing up uh, during Al Gore's kind of propaganda, I remember uh, that was like a fad, uh, especially amongst like kids my age. You know, we were all, for the most part, instilled in us that the earth is is dying and we need to save her and humans are bad and we're killing the animals and we're killing the environment and that's not incorrect. Like if you look at oil spills, you look at the corporations that are, are just polluting the military industrial complex, how it pollutes and other foreign governments and their militaries, there's certainly a case to be made that the earth is being destroyed. But is it the climate that's behind it? No, it's human beings and polluting. And so I, I wonder if it's not a sort of, you know, red herring or straw man type of thing where they're diverting people's attention away from the real problem so that they can use the side effects of the real problem to exacerbate their agenda, uh, which is to keep people, you know, ignorant of how the Earth's changes over long periods of time and also remove any liability on them for polluting and, and creating huge wastes, wastelands. Yeah, you know, the EPA in the United States is one of the biggest polluters. They've proven that. Yeah. You know, and and, you, and the thing is, you said their liability, and that's interesting that you said that because, you know, I have a lot of veterans for friends and some of them that have gotten sick, you know, and they had this first thing in the first Gulf War called Gulf War sickness, which come to find out, I think it was attributed to the vaccines that they were shooting all these soldiers up with before they went into Iraq the first time. Like you're talking 1990, right? So, so before you were born. But, you know, there's a, well, I have a, actually a, a customer of mine finally got a settlement from the government for the burn pits. He had gotten sick from the burn pits because over in Iraq, they would just dig these great big holes and fill them up with all kinds of stuff, you know, military equipment, old tires, oil, hazardous waste, whatever, and just light them on fire. Huh. You know, and the government was okay with doing that. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, who cares? We're out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, you know, you could have just dug a hole and buried all that stuff in the desert. And, and, you know, if your goal was to just get rid of it, it would have done the same thing. But you had to light it on fire. Whose whose decision was that? And then and then during the Iraq war, and what about all the oil rigs that were exploded? And it was massive fires there and, and all the emissions t- coming off from that. Right? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the EPA and how, you know, they're a regulatory um, agency that 
fines people for doing little things like, you know, I have a salvage ad. So, you know, not the EPA, but the state version of that will come in once a year and, and do a uh, walk around or whatever. And, and they won't ever find anything here because this is my property. I'm not going to do anything to damage it. But I know there's a lot of places that would do things, but they would find you. Oh, it looks like you had a little gasoline spill here. Did you know that one cup of gasoline destroys how many millions of gallons of water? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this is an excuse to give you a fine. That's all it is. The earth, no matter what people do to this, George Carlin had a whole bit on this. Do you think after everything that this planet has been through in the last billion years, you think a couple of plastic bags and some old diapers and some milk jugs <laughs> are going to kill it? The answer is no. Yeah. Do I, do I think we need to do a better job? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, and, and I even do that here. You don't see any waste here at my shop. Right. You know, even when they come in to inspect my spray booths, they're okay with everything that I do here. Well, and, because you know, because waste costs money, Mark. Yeah. Well, and, so if, and, you can, if you can manage your waste better, so it doesn't cost you quite as much money. Well, that's, that's a win-win. Absolutely. And I mean, in America, there are cases where it's not managed well, but for the most part, most states, most cities, most towns are pretty clean. You know, there are exceptions. There are cities where it becomes a nightmare. But if you go to the third world, there are places where rivers, any patch of open space is littered with trash. And places that would have had plants and trees and animals roaming and growing and are littered with trash, almost like a layer of trash that just completely covers the ground and goes straight into the water supply straight into the river so you know it's such a complicated topic that we can't we can't ever be like oh well the earth will be fine i agree with you i don't think that the you know the waste products that inherently come from the earth will destroy the earth. I think if anything, there will just be new funguses and new bacteria that will evolve to break down those new materials that humans create. But yeah, it, it definitely isn't uh, very comforting to go and like watch some of these tourism videos from India and you see like literally like whole fields of trash and people are just running around next to it, not no care in the world, throwing more trash on top of it. I mean... I don't know how people live like that, but then again, you could point a camera, I'm sure, in any direction and make you think that the a problem's bigger than it is. But Okay, well, you know what? What do you think landfills were? Like like when I grew up in this town, we had we called it the dump. Like they didn't call them landfills back then. And what it was in my town was this great big bog. Now this bog had water at the bottom of it. And what people did, you know, it was like, a, I want to say it may have even been, our town was well known back in the day for uh, cranberry bugs. Mm. And I want to say this may have been a cranberry bug at one time, but anyway, and you just backed up to the hill and you put your trash over the edge. That was it. And it was certain things they would burn off certain things that, you know, they would have open pit fires at the landfill. And I remember there was always an old dude that ran the dump, you know, one guy that ran the dump. Now, this was before they had transfer stations. Like, what? that's what we have now, and that's what most towns have. But they would literally just, 
anything and everything, cars, wheels and tires. There's even an old folk tale in my town that somebody got paid off to dump some 55 gallon drums full of who knows what Uh (laughs) into, into our dump. And then, and then over the course of time, because my town is known for gravel. So we have lots of gravel pits and lots of dirt, lots of sand. So they would just, you know, put in so much and they would cover it and they would put more on top and they would cover it and put more on top, so on and so forth. Now all that waste is working. It's, 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 it's generating, it's doing what it does, but now it's giving off gases. So when they cap these landfills, if you go to our landfill, you can see all these pipes that come out of the ground where it lets the gases out of the ground. Now, you know, it's, it's a form of methane. So I'm like, okay, so why don't they just capture that methane and turn it into fuel? And that's a big part of some theories that I was reading about the Egyptian culture and how some of those megaliths were actually fit with infrastructure that would distribute things, gases like methane for this exact purpose to, to heat or fuel or even light. Because there's one story that's really interesting. Some archaeologists going in a tomb, and they walk to the back with their torches, and all of a sudden, whoom, this like yep. stream of gas just gets lit on fire from their torch, and they realize, oh, this is a natural lighting system that the whoever built this tomb had put into place. And maybe maybe it's that simple. Maybe the Egyptians just shit in a hole and threw all their all their trash in one hole, and then had the methane pipes feed into that and that's how they got power and light and things or or it could be something as simple as you know digging in the ground you will come across oh yeah natural gas veins right right so uh to your point why aren't we utilizing this as a power source at, at the average landfill well because landfills have been pretty much outlawed but here's what we do in our town right so it's transfer station. And what they do is, you know, all your stuff goes into a hopper, it gets compacted, and it gets shipped over to this uh, plant that we call Wheelabrator. Wheelabrator is the company that used to own it. They built it. And they burn our trash and they make electricity and they put power back into the grid. So to me, that's a good thing, right? So, you know, but I mean, just getting back to it, though, the, the things that people used to put in landfills, I mean, nobody gave a shit about that back then. Yeah. And now, and now it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not a litterer, you know, I won't throw things out the window of my car driving down the road, but you know, and, and part of the problem with that too is uh, recycling is not really cost effective. And that is the sad part because, you know, they'll recycle cardboard, you know, cardboard per ton is almost worth as much as scrap cars is by ton. Wow. Just takes just takes a lot more cardboard to make a ton, right? Yeah. But but you have plastics in cars, plastic milk jugs, plastic bottles. And I mean, this is all made out of petroleum, right? So, but all these things are like endlessly recyclable. So why aren't people doing that? Well, because they don't have any infrastructure to recycle it. So they're like, well, you know what? Just throw it in a hopper, we'll burn it. And we'll make electricity with it. So, I mean, I guess it's a lesser of evils, but I mean, if you could take all the plastic bottles, I mean, you can make, you can make yarn out of that. You can make material out of old plastic bottles. It was a company in New Hampshire that used to make uh, fleece, fleece coats and sweatshirts out of it. Mm. 
Well, and, and that's why I think a lot of this climate change environmental stuff is short-sighted because the truth is, is the industrial revolution can have a sort of other side to it where people innovate clean, green, healthy ways to power and fuel human society and also get rid of waste and trash and use it in that exact way. But as we sort of wrap up our little segment here, as we wrap up here, I mentioned on the phone the rose thorn seed concept. I don't know if you had a chance to put much thought into it, but I want to I wanna ask this to every buddy that I talked to on the show today, uh, your rose would be, you know, something from 2023 that went really well, that you're really proud of, something that happened that you're, you know, proud of in 2023 could be anything. Your thorn would be, you know, maybe something that didn't go quite as planned that you hope to to fix or change or whatever. Uh, and then your seed would be obviously what you want to plant for 2024, what you, what you want, maybe like a, a goal or what, what would you call it? Yeah, I resolution. Have, I have. Well, I don't really do resolutions because everybody everybody says that, right? Oh, I'm gonna lose weight, or I'm gonna quit smoking, or I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Like I, I gave up on those a long time ago because you know you don't need the end of a new year or the beginning of a new year to you know decide that you need to make better changes for yourself or whatever. But you know, people use that as an excuse. Oh, I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna do that. My wife texts me. Oh, you know, Planet Fitness is running a deal. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to no gym. I got, I got all the stuff right here at the shop. All I got to do is set it up and use it. I can't be somewhere at a particular time, right? But, you know, that's going to be somebody's resolution. But, you know, I have weird goals. Like, like going into 2023, I had this idea that I wanted to get more of my outside projects done at my house, right? So that was that was like a big goal for me. And not only did I reached those goals, but I actually exceeded those goals. So I was pretty happy about that. And and going into 2024, that's just going to be an expansion on that. I mean, that's my goal. You know, I don't really have any goals in my business, believe it or not. We've been doing it so long. It just kind of does its own thing. It's, it's, its own, it's its own life. It's its own animal. And, uh, but uh, you know, but you know, the end of 2023 has been very good. I mean, the last Water here at the shop has been really super busy. We're busy now. I think we're pretty much booked with big work until the beginning of April. So, so we're going to be good there right into spring. So I'm happy about that. But, you know, at my age, you don't have a lot of wants and needs, right? You just have, you just have the things that you want that you have already, but you just want to make them a little nicer. So I want to be able to do that. You know, the other thing is I was pretty proud, you know, like we, we went up over 350,000 downloads on the show. That was actually a while ago in 2023. Awesome. Which, which considering we have, we don't even have 150 episodes. So if you do the math on that, that's ton. actually that's actually not too bad, right? That's a ton. I mean, I mean, we're still only averaging a show a week, sometimes a show or two shows a week, and to have that many downloads. Now, I know people, oh, shit, I got 500,000 downloads, or I got a million downloads. Yeah, but you also have five times as many episodes as I do too, mm-hmm. right, right? So it's all it's it's all kind of relative, but yeah, we're pretty happy. Buckley and I were pretty happy where the show is going. Kristen's been making more appearances, so that's cool. And we've got some, you know, a lot of changes in the pipeline coming for the show. Finally, you know, I've been talking about them for a while, but you know, I think what a lot of listeners don't understand, a lot goes into the show, right? Like. A lot goes into the production part of it. And if you want to go visual, 
then you're taking everything that you already got going, multiplying it by 10, because you got to have the room to do that. You got to have the space and you got to have the time. Mm. And so, but I mean, we're working on all that. So that's kind of one of my goals for 2024 is to try to get the show Wicked Planet up on the next level, kind of, you know, kind of ramp it up and make it a little bit more interesting for the people, you know, have a little bit more content, some content that they can sit down and watch. If, if they really feel like they need to do that, you know, I always kind of thought that a podcast is a radio show, a visual podcast is a TV show, but you know what I mean? And, 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 and when you do that, well, there's a whole lot, the whole another level of production that has to go into play. Yeah. You know, and when you're one person that's doing all the production, I mean, I'm not getting on Buckley's case, but I'm just saying I do all the production, you know? And, and plus running a business full time, plus a family and a 13 year old kid at home. So it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, and I'm not 30 or 40 or even 50 anymore. So, you know, you got to keep up, but you know, I, I, I appreciate all the listeners we have. And, you know, I found out, you know, I wasn't really feeling good over Christmas and things were super busy. I hadn't had a chance to put a show out and it was a lot of people like, where's the show? Where's the show? I'm like, okay, hang tight. You got two coming your way. That'll keep you out of trouble for a couple of days. Right on. But anyways, but but as far as goals go, no, I just have some more things I want to do outside to my, what I call my oasis, which hopefully sometime this summer you and Tara can make it up. Yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool setup. I got to admit it myself. And, and I was just standing out there the other night looking around, thinking about all the stuff I want to do this summer once the weather gets going good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Well, Thanks, Ron. I, I couldn't not include you in something like this. You've been a part of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy family for quite a while, way before this podcast really got off the ground. And I'm stoked to see that you and Buckley are still at it and and keeping keep going. Like, don't stop. I love it. I think we all need to be, you know, you meant, you compared podcasts to radio and TV, but I think we're we're creating a a whole different outlet for people. And yeah, I uh, agree. I agree. And and in twenty twenty three I saw some really big podcasts that I was a fan of end. Ari Shafir, comedian, ended his podcast. Another very funny comedian, Todd Glass, ended his podcast. And then a couple podcasts broke up. You know, people who are fans of come town that podcast became the adam friedland show another podcast that i'm a big fan of beach cops became the pork report so yeah things changed in 2023 in that sense in some ways a lot of podcasts comedy podcasts moved to austin so we'll see what happens there so uh, i'm just stoked to see the community that i've been a part of stay together and maintain momentum grow their shows and i'm excited to see that you buckley and the whole crew are going to be joining us on the video platforms in 2024 maybe i'll even be there in person for for an in-studio podcast that's that's the goal yeah i would love to have you in for in studio you know we've had some other podcasters come up in the last few months in studio it's been kind of cool you know, even people that are friends of mine in New Hampshire or actually in New England that, you know, have their own shows, you know, would, you know, take a drive up here and spend some time in the studio. You know, doing in studio is so much, it's a whole other different dynamic, right? Yeah. 
So it's like the people are sitting right here. You can rap, you can have a drink. You know, last time we ordered a bunch of food and we're drinking and those guys were indulging and, you know, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and we were just, we were here till like midnight. It was a great time, you know? And, but so we're really looking forward to that. It's just too bad that we're kind of out of the way. Like we're out of the way for everybody. Like, I don't know any other podcast like that's in our community that's is as far north as we are. Well, we're going to you know? be we're going to be building up this New England crew uh, as time goes on. I you know, we could just list a whole uh whole dozen podcasts that are out of Massachusetts or New Hampshire, or Connecticut. So yeah, I think I think you're actually pretty central for New England's case. And if we are going to do a New England podcast kind of thing, probably most likely happen in New Hampshire because New Hampshire's laws and all that. So yeah, I think you're in a great place, Ron, especially moving forward. Once I get back on the road with this van, I'm hoping to get, and I could, you know, make it on some interstate journeys rather than just being, is that the right word? Interstate? Yeah. Interstate journeys rather than just being here confined to my local area. But yeah, that that's going to be sweet to go up to New Hampshire, go out, past the Appalachian mountains, that great barrier that keeps us all on the East coast. Yeah. And, well, we're, uh, we're right in the thick of the Appalachians here, you know? So, you know, where we are, I mean, you, we have, you can travel 10 minutes up the road and start seeing mountains. Mm -hmm. So, so it's very cool. And not only that, but we're close to the ocean here. So, you know, uh, being in this part of New Hampshire, you know, being in the, you know, just South, the Southern end of the lakes region is, is pretty awesome. No, that's exactly because you what can I'm say, saying. Oh, yeah, you want to go for a drive today? You know, I like I'm an old schooler, so I like to go for drives. You know, like the like like on the weekends, our parents would throw us in the back of the car and just go on a drive, right? No destination. And I would say, I'll wake up, and tell my wife, man, I like to take a ride down the ocean today. Okay, well, let's go do that. Or oh, hey, I'd like to take a ride up to the mountains today. Maybe we'll ride up to the Mount Washington Hotel just as a destination or whatever. You know, and it's really cool. And you can do it. It's at the same distance. Well, it's quicker to go to the beach than it is to the mountains. But, but yeah, it's, it's a really good location. And if we're going to have a big meetup, like, like Wicked Planet, play, the studio, that's the place to do it. All right. Right. Be because, you know, I have invested some money in 2023 in remote podcasting equipment. Okay. So, you know, like how you've bought in your van, and I know you're really excited about that. And we've been talking about that for a couple of years. Like that was one of your goals was to get a van. And so I've bought some, excuse me, I've bought some remote podcasting mixers, handheld ones, like good quality ones by Zoom. Not the Zoom we're on, but Zoom Labs. So you mean, so uh, we won't be able, we will be able to record and not have to be directly next to an outlet. You mean like you'll have battery yeah. powered? Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. You want to see it? Show us. Here's oh, that's one, a right good there. one. Yeah. Okay. The Zoom. Yeah. The PodTrack P4. Cool. This takes this takes four XLR mics. Yeah. Takes four headsets. And I'm gonna the next investment I'm gonna make, and this is why I really wish my listeners would donate a little bit more money. I gotta, you and I gotta get together because I definitely gotta start my Patreon. Okay. Because I've had some listeners in the Telegram say that they are willing to pay for premium content, and I will give them premium content. Well, let's right? do it. Let's do it. But I'm going to be buying the road wireless mics. Okay. So we're going to be able to just clip them on and walk around yeah. and have really good sound. 
because there's no sense of doing a show if the sound is junk. Nobody wants to listen to that. Exactly. But, but that's my plan. I've got this like old antique van that I want to customize. And and Buckley's like, man, that would be really cool. We could drive all over the place and do remote shows. I go, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, a half an hour is not enough time, Ron. We need to get back together soon. But we have more callers to, to bring on for this 2023 wrap-up show. So let's put a pin in it here, have you back on. My family thinks I'm crazy in the next few weeks. I'll join you guys on the Wicked Planet podcast whenever you'll have me. And folks listening, please, if you haven't already, go and check out the Wicked Planet podcast. Look forward to that Patreon coming soon. And I will be sure to announce that when it's available so folks in my Patreon can go and support. Because Ron has been, Ron's an OG supporter of the Patreon. He's been in the Patreon since I only had 10 people supporting me on Patreon. And now we have about 210, which is awesome. We're still not quite there yet at our goal of 250. And once I get to 250, I will be doing in-person interviews with a video camera. So if you want to see that happen, look forward to it. Sign up on Patreon. And Ron, you're the best. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And we'll catch everybody in a moment when we go to our next segment. The boomers love BlackRock. The boomers will get on a BlackRock cruise with BlackRock shirts. The boomers, because the one of the problems in the American real estate market is boomers will not sell their houses for anything under a $1.6 million profit. They just won't. They won't because they like to lord them. They like to lord around them. They like to make their kids feel guilty. They like to go, you could never afford it. They like to tell you how cheap the house was when they bought it. And then... This is every every Thanksgiving or Christmas, somebody will go, pick this up for 200 grand. Now it's worth one eight. Yeah. And then it's their millennial yeah. kids are sitting there saddled with student loan debt. And the boomers are paying. It's their last fuck you before they leave the planet. Yeah. They're a spiteful generation of monsters. I respect it. But their last fuck you before they leave the planet is instead of selling their houses for, I don't know, a $900,000 profit, they just won't put them on the market. Some boomers, which is hilarious, that we read the articles on my show, they're actually retiring to bigger houses. They're they're sizing up. It's sick. It's like insane. <laughs> and so that becomes an issue too of like, you know, it used to be like you would, you would have a house, the kids would move, you'd stay in it probably for another 10 or 20 years, and then you'd get a condo. And you'd go, I'm yeah. out. Yeah. The fuck do I want to mow lawn for? Yeah. <laughs> now the boomers are going... This is the only thing we have that makes us truly valuable in society is that we own this like a McMansion. You have to be very careful here. It's all We're under up. a microscope. We got an election coming up and they're going to get real tight on the independent media of which I am one. One of the most powerful members of the independent media in the world, me. News about this list that's going to be coming out, the, the names that are going to be listed in association mm-hmm. with Ghislaine Maxwell and, and Jeffrey Epstein. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, do you think we're going to see a full list, or is it just going to be uh, a redacted kind of thing, and or maybe some distractions in the news that same week? First of all, you know what's so interesting that you're calling me right now at this moment? 
It was exactly two years ago at this time I heard Ghislaine Maxwell's guilty verdict in Southern District. And we're literally right now, exactly two years ago after the court, I was following Christine Isabel and I think it was Ian Maxwell walked back to their either apartment or Airbnb room, I, I don't know, but it was so strange. They usually take Airbnb home, I mean, Uber or something, but they walk. So we, we literally follow them for 15, 20 minutes, their place that they were staying that day. Uh, you know, this is right after they made a statement and they were going to support their sister, did not agree with the decision right. and continue to fight. And I think, I forgot their attorney also spoke too, but... Yeah, this, that was a really strange day because, you know, I've been trying to go every oh, many of the days trying to get into the main room, the actual court case, and every day I missed by one or two spots. And at the time, they still had um, COVID rules. So only four civilians and four journalists, total eight, are allowed to enter. Everyone else have to be something to do with the case, you know, either defense or uh, prosecution or their family members and assistant and so on. So I finally got in and then I watched the whole thing stunned because nothing was really going that day. So when they announced like 10, 15 minutes before end of the day, uh, just Nathan said that there's a verdict. So we were really, I mean, stunned. And uh, when she received five out of the six guilty verdict, and uh, I was try- trying to process everything. So this is exactly two years ago today, at this moment. Wow. Yeah, because by, by the time we got out, five, I think we got out of the court, I don't know, 5.20, 5.30, everybody spoke, and around a little before 6, we were literally following them back home. So I think it's 6 p.m. in East Coast. Yeah, no, it's... Right now? Yeah, right now, so, yeah. yeah, so this is exactly two years ago, as we speak. So... As as far as the list, I don't I don't know what to say, you know, because you hear so many experts talk about redacted, it's not fake, or they're maybe manipulated, and so on and so forth. But I I'm I'm kind of kind of weaselly avoid what you're asking me by saying abstract answer, which is those are the only kids are being uh, taken advantage of, you know. And I, one thing I have to say, even though I don't like those young kids burning cities last, you know, during the height of COVID, that they're pretty angry because I think they know that, that they might be one of the first Americans to do worse than their parents. And they probably feel like society's literally fucking them, these young people, you know? And I think this is just not Epstein's case, but I think a lot of young people probably feel that way. And I, I travel a lot during shows and I talk to young people and it's the same thing. They can't really verbalize it very well, and neither can I. But I think it's a lot of them in agreement. When I ask them, do you think you have a better future? Or do you think your kids going to have a better future? The vast majority of the time, no. So I think um, kids are getting fucked, you know. And isn't it weird that whether you support a Democrat or Republican, why is it that these candidates are so fucking old? <laughs> Just old fucking guys, yeah. you know. And I think... I, I think I think in your pod I talk about you know for twenty close to twenty years I, on and off I work in sex business and work in a porn company but it just seemed like you know when you can't sexually fuck people you fuck them over financially and it just feels like that with these older folks there is no 
you know, when I was a kid, you had this sense like older folks had a wisdom and, and, and they love us and they want to uh, help them, uh, younger generation, live a better life, both physically and, you know, emotionally and, and wisdom and things like that. But do you sense that at all? Do you think older folks are any more wise? I, I don't really get that. You know, you're, I mean, speaking I'm cl- to, you're speaking to something that's at the core of why I named this podcast what I named it. You know, my father's parents are boomers and their whole attitude is... Yeah, look at how great we've done. Why don't you do the same? And it's like this total disconnection with the reality because they think that, you know, the $11,000 they spent on their house is, you know, equivalent to today. And it's it's not, you know, these boomers want to make millions of dollars selling their homes. And then they wonder why their children are living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, paying rent in an apartment. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you know, if I'm if I'm in my seventies and eighties, maybe I feel the same way. I probably will too, you know. But something you have to give, you know. And I think, I as much as it really hurts when I heard when I so you know seven eight months after the verdict, I went to uh, sentencing and I heard all of the victims spoke and I feel bad. And not to mention, I read those cases for years, and when you actually see them in person, it's very painful, and I feel for them. But I also couldn't believe when Jelaine Maxwell spoke and she seduced me, you know, and I think um, in a vacuum, I guess it's just it's just the people with maybe people with ambition and willpower and maybe little little to no scruples really get gravity to power and wealth and they do very well, you know, and I think. Who said that the meek shall inherit the earth? I mean, does that really work? In this modern era, you know, it doesn't seem like it, you know, and I'm not a young guy. Either. I'm 54 and I feel bad for these kids and I'm struggling, you know, so I'm sure there'll be list. I don't know how much to believe it. Oh, if there is a complete list, I am not really, really sure. But I think the way our system set up, it does seem like they, they fuck the youth. You know, I don't think just Epstein is the only group doing that, you know, you know? Well, and it's interesting how how things work in that kind of microcosm, macrocosm, symbolical way. You really, I mean, you're making a very poignant statement here that, yeah, people are being fucked, literally. And the younger generation, whether explicitly or in this societal wide basis, I mean, you just look at 2023 with another banking crisis in March, we had multiple disasters here in the United States and and cities like San Francisco just crumbling under crime and homelessness. And it's it definitely, yeah, it's something that I think a lot of people are thinking about and hence why I wanted to have you on, Yoshi, to to talk about this because you're making some really wise points. I didn't even realize how (laughs) synchronistic it is asking you to talk about Epstein today because yeah as you pointed out it's exactly a year uh a year yeah. ago that, that that all went down but it, it doesn't you know what you weird go ahead sorry it's another weird thing i thought was you know I, I don't know if i spoke to you but i went to sbf's uh court case just one of the day and i saw sam bankman free you know ftk and hold alameda fiasco where i don't know 10 billion dollars disappear but i saw his parents and it was funny because 
his parents are so old. You know, you, you see those old couple, like they're so old that you, you're having a hard time figuring out which one is the mom and the dad, you know? And they're both Harp Stanford lawyers, clearly smart people. So is Sam. But my gut feeling shows me that, you know, maybe they didn't know what his son was doing, but I think it almost seems like they kind of know what's going to happen to their son. They're, I think they're concerned what's going to happen to them. I think Sam bought them a huge property or two. So, you know, I'm sure they're worried about their son, but, you know, obviously, number one, they're going to think about themselves too, you know, and I, yeah. I, I thought, are they, are they really concerned for him or concerned for their financial well-being? Because that's the same feeling I got from Maxwell's siblings, you know, like, are they really there because they care for a sister or there's like something outside of it, you know, because I always wonder about when Robert Maxwell uh, made uh, his workers' pension money disappear, where did it go, you know? And I, I, I always wonder if the, any of the kids knew any of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make them mad. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, you know, they could all, for I know, are good people. They're concerned for their sister and son and wishing for justice for them, you know? But mm-hmm. I, my problem is like, I don't know what to make of it, you know, because I, I hear two different people saying two different things, but actually I kind of think like, well, you know, they both plot, sounds plausible, even though they contradict each other. I, I really I really don't know what to make of it, you know, because um, I'm not rich and I don't think like a rich person. I mean, what, what, their behavior is different from mine and uh, they think differently from mine, you know. I just know that uh, they're going to have tremendous amount of influence. They have it in the past, they have it now, and they'll continue to have it next year. And I I saw this playwright, Will Arbery. It's interesting. He was one of the staff writers for Succession, which is, you know, a very popular show on HBO about a billionaire's son, similar to like Rupert Murdoch's saga. And he wrote a, a play, I always get the name wrong, Heroes of Fourth Turning. And it's one of those plays, the major characters in the plays were three to four Catholic conservative in Wyoming night before the election in 2016. And they're very conservative. One is like more gun rights guy, pro-life and anti-abortion person. And another one's like, you know, religious by the Bible. I think, you know, maybe I'm not right exactly. And what was interesting, when you saw the play in New York, the critics loved it, audience loved it. Now, interesting, these are mostly liberal, leaning, New York Times reading types of people. So a show about people that completely they, they can't relate to, don't know anything about them, but they, they thought that, uh, that, that this was a great work of art and they even empathized with them. And what was interesting, many of the Catholic and the conservative periodical praised that play and it's one of the few times art kind of made a bridge between two opposing positions. And this was an interesting play because Fourth Turning referred to a guy named Strauss and Howe, two historians talk about I think this goes shout out generational theory. I guess every 80 years, some catastrophic things happen and the start of the new um, new age. So, you know, 2024 is, you know, 80 years before that is till end of World War II and 80 years before that, till end of American Civil War and 80 years before that is exactly the year Revolutionary War ended, you know. So this historian, if you believe it, Maybe something is due this coming year. And I think Steve Bannon was a big student of that theory. My odd angle is 1974 was a particularly interesting year. <clears throat> if you're studying like psychopathy and sociopathy and, you know, because 
you know, this coming January 4th, which is like, oh, I don't know, what is it, like 10 days from now? Or listen, well, around 10 days, I guess. It was Ted Bundy's first kill in Seattle. And then 11 days later, January 15th, Dennis Rader, a.k.a. BTK killer's first murder where he killed Othero family. I just got back from Wichita checking up all his murder locations. And then I believe John Wayne Gacy's second murder is committed on January 1974. And I think 74 was second or third most uh, prolific year for serial killers. There was also Casanova killer. And I always get this guy wrong. He's like one of the most prolific African-American serial killer, you know. And it was a year... We were suffering from hyperinflation, oil crisis, people were staying lying, and Nixon's about to resignate Vietnam wars. I think people were preoccupied, but, you know, I think it's interesting what's coming up, you know. I don't know what that means. I'm always wrong, so I'm going to say a lot of terrible things for next year, so hopefully I, I'm always wrong. I hope none of these things happen, but I'm sure there's many multiple election trials in the world, including USA and Summer Olympics. And I wonder if there's any sort of backlash from Israeli-Palestinian problem if there's a terrorist attack next year, you know. I think I could just kind of feel weird, but I hope I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just think... You know, we, we, the country as a whole is going to be strong. We are going places. I think we're just going to face most likely a bunch of different turbulences, you know. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's I'm, going to be a very entertaining year. I'm really glad you brought up the Strauss-Howe generational theory. It's something that we've talked about multiple times on the show with different guests. And yeah. notably, one of my favorite guests from the early days of the show, Chris Milligan. He's a book publisher, and his father was in the CIA. And his father basically explained a lot of this stuff to him and described how they they gamify these cycles. They predict them 80 years out and then they act accordingly. And, uh, you know, this may be a high-minded conspiracy theory here, but when we reflect on just the past 80 years, I mean... Recent, you, you brought up 1974, which 10 years before 1984, we recently had a really f- stunning conversation on this show about 1983 being a huge year for technology, and that was exactly yeah. 40 years ago. So, yeah, and, and 1984 will now be 40 years ago. So, yeah, along those lines, I hope we're not in for an Orwellian-themed year, but 2360 well, chaotic, so... <laughs> yeah. 84, it was definitely, like, high-tech, because, you know, famously, Steve Jobs made that beautiful Apple uh, commercial for Super Bowl where that young lady with a hammer flying authoritarian world by using Mac and things like that, mm-hmm. that, that uh, commercial and art and, you know, but... I mean, you know, in addition to the porn stuff, I did medical testing. It's amazing how many medication were geared to older folks, you know, like they make so much medication. I mean, it's amazing how many people live in longer, you know, but and, and, and they're able to live longer because this medication. But, you know, living long well, living longer physically, but living a meaningful life, I think that's a completely different thing, you know. And, well, uh, absolutely. I mean, I could tell you firsthand, you know, just from the family members I have, many of them are too dependent on the medical system to the point where it it takes away their wellness. And, you know, we've talked about your journeys around the world. When you were in Japan, did you notice 
the same with their elderly population? Because I've heard, you know, Japan has a, a high rate of lifespan, and that is due to, like, certain factors like diet, climate, and also family culture, right? Which is a lot different than here in the West, where we just kind of shove our elders out into some elderly home. Most people in the rest of the world tend to keep their grandparents and so on in the home. It's it's strange, man, because, you know, when I was there in like February or March, and I saw my second cousin and my aunt, grand aunt, and I haven't seen them in close to 20 years, and when they ask me, how old are you, and they say, oh my God, you're so young, and I, I, I don't think in no place in America they would say that, but Japan is such an old country. They have about the same population and maintaining about the same level of population. It's not because they're reproducing more kids, because people people are living way longer. But what's going on in Japan and South Korea and China, the population is dropping, you know. And famously, you know, a couple of days ago, one of the very famous Korean actor killed himself from the movie Parasite, you know. And I think there is a strict very high standard for morality and the shame is so strong in those places but i i think you know i don't know if you noticed like when i was a kid you know as an asian guy you get ridiculed you know whatever i'm comedians i don't really care but it's very sensitive among my asian american friends especially men because the men are portrayed in a, such a negative lie whatever you know in like long duck down or whatever being, 16 Canada, things like that, and others. But it's amazing what has happened last 10, 15 years with K-pop and things like that. Like, it almost seems like Twilight Zone when how women of women outside of Asian background see Asian men differently, you know? So that has changed. But, you know, a lot of my friends think this is great, but, you know, my, in my honest reaction when I heard how popular... Korean pop culture and things like that was like worldwide. It, it it really made me sad about the whole enterprise. Right. Because I believe that any time any country or any society have a predominant pop cultural that is fantasy is very popular, they need to create those fantasy because average person live in a in a very unhappy, very depressing, and and because you need fantasy to. Con- keep you alive, you know? You know, I, I think um, my friend Haven told me one time, he, he's, you know, he's, I think his father was like prime minister of prison Yemen. He did tell me that foreign in, uh, intervention in Yemen has created a very difficult life and there's civil war and things like that. But he did say, yes, my country is failed state, but you know, we have one of the best family stretcher that people you don't have to make a reservation to see your parents for dinner and things like that and recent death of that famous korean actor tells you i don't know the situation it does seem like some people take drugs not because they're bad people they are sometimes dealing with stress they're dealing with loss and they're in pain but there's they they don't those strict kind of society won't allow that kind of notion, you know? So I think he was caught with some nightclub lady and they were taking drugs and he was married. So he was getting a lot of trouble. And instead of treating this as a medical issue, I think he probably thought, you know, he was losing a lot of jobs and TV and movies and things like that. I think his only option was to kill himself, which I'm not surprised because when you have such a high level of 
fantasy and pop culture that you're so proud of your country exporting all over the world. But my feeling is anytime, any country, and, and United States is guilty of this too, when you have such a big fantasy that we, we were, we were uh, you know, manufacturing and we were, we were obsessed with it, underneath it, the regular people, just, you know, regular Joes, are probably not living a good life, you know. Yeah. It's almost like they need a fantasy to sustain their misery. Oh, so anytime, right? It's like with America, with the you know the Great Depression, you saw the boom of radio, you know, in that same era. Movies, yeah, movies, like all the yeah, yeah. I mean, people, people, and especially after the World Wars, you know, World War Two, people really attached themselves to movies and went to the theater, and it was a. a in a sense, you know, a way for the military to increase morale so that people weren't, yeah. you know, feeling like the world was ending and that there's this cause to fight for, right? And, I mean, we still have that very much today with certain types of media, but uh, yeah, you're making such a great point about that. And I think there's a level of exploitation that comes along with any sort of global yeah. pop culture and especially in the music industry. I mean, we've had dozens of conversations about that on this show but yeah it's uh i mean you know one of my favorite television is madman and uh don draper that uh, main, i mean if you saw the main character he definitely had a horrible uh childhood and he used advertising on another form of fantasy to sell himself sell the advertisement and whenever, when you're sad or lonely, or you you want to make the family closer, he he will make advertising for like one of those hamburger chains, you know. And or if if you're getting older and you wanna you have a nostalgia for youth, you buy a vehicle, then they use advertising to sell that. And then then this, they're always selling things that you don't necessarily need, you know, but things that will rectify because you have some trauma or unhappiness in life so as and i do like uh, pop culture believe me I'm, I'm 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 guilty of it too but it's it's a very complicated thing on one hand i do like our television show movies music you know sports event i mean america's the greatest entertainer of all it's the greatest entertainer even our presidents are entertainers you know um but on, but on underneath it, Current you know, just because something, <laughs> yeah, and 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 and, and uh, we have all this just incredible fantasy that we export the world and we seduce the whole world, you know. But underneath it, you know, if you take all the fantasy and pop culture stuff, how how are most Americans doing? It's a very difficult question to ask, I think. Yeah. Oh, so. Um, it's a, it's a great point to make, Yoshi, and this is exactly why I wanted to have you on for this uh, brief segment. And, uh, we should wrap up now, but I want to have you back on the show this month. And, you know, my phone number is in your phone, so feel free to call me anytime. We could just talk about this kind of stuff off the air, yeah. too, you know? I'm yeah, a- yeah, and... I would love to do it soon again, but I'm curious. I definitely want to do it like exactly a year from today and see like, you know, were we right or wrong or was I being overly dramatic? I don't know, but I, I definitely think this is really going to be interesting. And I think next year I'm going to do them. I'm, I'm going to do enough international travel. I will clear the 100, 100 country mark next year. So I do That's want to go. Awesome. 
I want a different part of Argentina with this new president. I want to go to more Asia and some African countries. And well, I'm going to try. I don't know if I will do it, but I'm going to try my best. So yeah, happy new year and happy holidays. And uh, yeah, let's hope for the best. I'm just curious what's the list and what when I see the list, what does this mean? You know, I'm I'm very very curious about the whole thing. Well, but I- it's not going to be the end of it. You know. I'll certainly be in touch when the list comes out, if it ever does, and I look forward to hearing about your travel stories. I wish you luck. That's awesome. A hundred countries is no small feat. That's an incredible thing, so good on you, and and keep traveling, Yoshi. It's great to have you as a friend and a person in uh, the podcast Rolodex here, but uh, yeah, onward to the next one, and I'm glad you said that, because... I need all the encouragement. We're going to be doing this <laughs> every every year, hopefully on, yes. on the 29th. So, yeah, I'll see you yeah. sooner than that. We'll have you back on the show before that. But, but yeah, on to, the, to 2024, and happy holidays, Yoshi. Happy New Year. Let's get on with the, the next segment, folks. March 31st, 2023, a woman in Bartlett, New Hampshire, caught on video a large bipedal Bigfoot-looking being walking through a forest that she says spooked her mastiff dog enough that it refused to go any further on their walk. The figure was close enough just a few feet away, and she detected a smell like a dead and decaying body. What do you think of this very strange video out of Bartlett, New Hampshire? Did you get a chance to, did you look at it? Could you see it when I shared my screen? Yeah, yeah, I definitely saw it. I mean, if it's a hoax, it's an incredibly well, well dressed bipedal human there. But if it's, if it's real, I mean, they, they definitely did a goddamn good job. New Hampshire is close to these vortexes. There is a noted vortex in New Jersey that I was just reading about that has been um, time and time again reported as one of these major hotspots for UFO sightings uh, and other interdimensional creatures, uh, orbs, i.e. other things. And we get a lot of Bigfoot stuff happening here on the West Coast. And what I think is that there are places and I've showed this on Esoteric America through mrdata.usgs.gov website that shows LIDAR maps from satellites that are heavily magnetic areas and they have gravity LIDARs now. Things that show where there is excess amounts of gravity and excess amounts of anti-gravity or less gravity and so when you go to the coastal regions you find the tectonic plates the mountain regions there is high amount of gravity uh and high amount of magnetic energy coming from the rock and coming from the earth and tectonic plates themselves so that being said more likely to have sightings of creatures in general right where the threshold or the void the vortex is thinner so um i've been opening my eyes a lot more uh out of the west coast and popping over to your home where a lot of these vortexes are said to have uh have lain and i can't remember the exact name of the major vortex in new jersey i would love to look that up and get back to you later um And I know that New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not a complete idiot, is pretty close to New Jersey, right? No, yeah, it's, I mean, 
if the state of California was on the East Coast, New Hampshire and New Jersey would both be in California. So yeah, nice. comparison okay. to what you're used to for states, they're pretty close. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> there you go, folks. You heard it here first. Magnetic Bigfoot walking through vortexes. Uh, let's go on to the next segment. And uh, yeah, lots to chew on there, Roman. I think we ought to do a whole episode on vortexes. for me it's a place where i can just really just express anything that i like when it comes to anything fringe occult paranormal that aspect alternative and alternative history if you will in quotations because who actually fucking knows our history and what happened especially in america so with that being said uh my main focus has been recently in the catskills in the hudson valley where there's just been a ton of different stone chamber structures that many would claim would be root cellars, but when you actually get there, there's a whole different, whole different energy to it and a whole alignment. If you do enough research, you'll notice that these are not just root cellars that someone made. These were intentionally placed with the right mind and intent to have ritual and just celebrate different aspects of, of the solar year and all that. So beautiful things so yeah i've just been traveling about my fiance and i like go on hikes and i try and plan these trips around these hikes upstate to go check out these places so a lot of cool stuff dude no doubt yeah and it's it's really exciting to see after our conversation you dive like full into it um because after i think when we first talked about it I, I think you were, I don't, I'm not going to take credit and say, uh, I, t- I told you about these, but I, you knew about them before we talked, right? Like you had an idea about this kind of stuff, right? Totally. Yeah. You definitely pointed me in the right direction with spirits and stone with that, uh, that right. Glenn Kreitzberg. Okay. Book. Yes. Now it's coming back. Okay, cool. Cause I noticed after we talked, I'm like, damn, he's really hit the ground running. Like it only a few months went by and you were at like a ton of different sites. We got some really beautiful footage of places that 
honestly, like, when this stuff was studied, it was a lot of, like, black and white photography. So, I mean, you're you're kind of a part of this uh, younger, newer generation of, of megalithic researchers that I'm really proud to say I, I've kind of inspired in some way. I, I've been inspired by Glenn Kreisberg, so... You know, I'm not taking full credit, but I definitely think as far as the podcast realm goes, you know, not a lot of people were uh, talking about this subject. So, yeah, it's cool to, to put some attention on it. It's also cool to see someone with the uh, artistic sensibilities that you have uh, being attracted to something like this. Because I personally think that these sites, as you just kind of hinted at, is there there's tons of metaphysical value to these sites it's it's not something that was simply agricultural but that being said you know agriculture is incredibly important i think we just have become separated from it now in our normal culture whereas in the past when maybe these sites were utilized agriculture was something that was incredibly important you know people live their lives around what they could grow and what they could hunt right so i think the 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 common misconception is that oh these things were only agricultural when after you study these people what we can find about these people from what's left certainly seem more sophisticated than uh than just people who built root cellars and walls to separate their corn crop, right? I mean, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also just to just to note that most people in the modern age wouldn't really be able to comprehend the level of a, a relationship that people back then would have to nature. So their understanding of how nature and the human, like the human in general, interact with one another in a symbiotic relationship as integral to our species and us surviving as a whole. I think that's what's the main purpose of our relationship to the earth. And people back then had a very deep understanding of how to make that happen in a very real way. And in part, which I feel is magic and just a different understanding of metaphysics and all of that. There's a specific um, stone chamber in Carmel, New York, that is actually found in the Spirits and Stone book. So like my whole my whole mo right now i've been kind of just taking it here and there like i said just a passion passion project for now but come 2024 i really want to uh put some more effort and energy into this and travel to different places and create more of a photo journal because another passion of mine is uh, shooting film photography so my like you said most of the places that are documented are from the 70s 80s like maybe 90s or a lot of older people like older heads that are very knowledgeable on this stuff that may not have the reach that they deserve. Like um, organizations like NERA, it's like, a, I'm not sure what the acronym stands for. It's like New England Research of Antiquities, I think. Um, and Glenn is a part of that uh, organization. I think they're located upstate. And they have tons of information of all these different sites located in the Hudson Valley that all showcase that these were meant for ritualistic purposes um shout out to uh land of Tim, honestly jeff drum because he's been a huge support whenever i post something like he'll give some insight as to like what he thinks about this site as well so it, it opens up a whole different realm of perspective for me too That's I, cool. it's just my main 
is to just create a dialogue. So maybe one day you and I can like have a have a different show and just pick out all these different spots and like maybe we can go to one, document it, and just have some fun with it. Yeah, no, that's definitely the intention I'm hoping to set for 2024. Hence reconnecting with you and we got to do the same with jeff because he is a fellow uh nutmegger you know he's also from connecticut and uh, yeah so he's he's familiar with the area i imagine being from new britain i actually just moved uh closer to the new york massachusetts border from where i used to be um i'm in new hartford connecticut now which is up in the northwest corner of the state so there's a couple mountains near me, not a lot of stone sites, but um, it's surprising. I found a book, since we're on the topic of uh, Spirit in the Stone, so a guy named Salvador, Salvador Michael Trento wrote a book called The Search for Lost America. Have you come across this book at all? I haven't, no. Okay, cool. So this is this is going to be the next big one for you, I think. With so add this add this to the Spirit in the Stone shelf. Uh, it was written in 1978, so uh, quite a, a while ago, and he describes mostly the sites in New Jersey, New York, some in Connecticut, and that's about it. But he specializes in Pennsylvania as well. But he specializes in more of the North Atlantic, which is your area. Um, and yeah, there's a list in the back of the different stone sites. And I'll just go ahead and, for people listening, we got a ton of listeners in the state of New York. We've got stone sites in Berryville, Bellevale, Binghamton, Brewster, Calicoon, Caramel, which you mentioned, the slab, slab roof chamber over there, Comstock, Cornwell, Croton, on the Hudson, hope I'm pronouncing that one right, Deer Park, Ellenville, Fleischman's, Glen Falls, Gramsville, Greenwood Lake. I mean, are you getting the picture here? Like, I, I haven't even made it uh, past the seventh letter of the alphabet, and I feel like I've been listing cities all day. But, yeah, they, I mean, they're everywhere. They're all over the state of New York, New Jersey as well. There's a ton in Connecticut. So it's a, it's an un... I'm not going to say it's undocumented, but it's not documented in the internet age to the level totally. that it should be, you know? Completely undocumented. I mean, for real, undocumented. Think about the amount of people that are aware of this. Like, I, I, I do my best to talk to people just to be like, just to start up a conversation. And I'll be like, oh, like, are you familiar with seeing any of these things? Like, especially growing up in, like, the North Salem area, like in Richfield and just across the border. I went to Balance Rock. I grew up like driving past that all the time, and just like lo and behold, you see that later on in my life, and I'm like, oh shit! Like this actually corresponds to a lot of the things that piques my interest when it comes to the history of this land. And it's funny about that specific site. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mud Fossil University or any of his work, but yeah. he, he, I didn't even know he's out of. I think he's like Middletown, Connecticut. He's also from Connecticut, which is really crazy. Yeah, my buddy Rob actually taught, um, put me on to him. Shout out to Rob. He's the man. Uh, he's from Connecticut as well. I've hung out with him a bunch. Um, he put me in touch with Roger. He got Roger's number somehow. Uh, Roger Spur. And I'll be honest, I think I might have fumbled the ball as far as booking him on the show. 
Um, just because he's very, he's like a crotchety old man and he's very into what he's into. And if you're not totally 100% on board with him, it's hard to have a conversation. And he wanted, he wanted to like, just get right into it. And I was just trying to call him and say, Hey, like, what's up? Let's schedule a podcast. And he's like, open up Google earth and let me show you, doesn't this look like, uh, and he's telling me about the mountain chains and, and I, I like the ideas that he shares, um, but you know, I think there's a there's a level of credulity that he goes past. Just to put that as politely as I can, but I think that's you know, given the climate, <laughs> the academic climate, I don't blame him for rejecting all science and and going with his theory in such a way because. For people who aren't familiar with Mud Fossil University, he essentially, a big part of his theory is that a mud flood kind of um, petrified a bunch of living organisms, and by looking at certain rocks, stones, structures, mountains even, uh, you can see biological forms, and he's explicitly saying that that's because those are biological forms that have become petrified which i mean isn't isn't a unheard of concept we have the petrified forest i mean there's been you know plenty of you know living creatures that have been like preserved in stone so it's not something that's far-fetched i i like it i just think he he kind of he gets he gets in his own way sometimes with his presentations Oh, I totally, I would have to agree with you. I definitely appreciate uh, his research for what it is. And I, I definitely just take it for what I take it. And I just find it that his approach is very interesting nonetheless. Just taking anything outside of his personality, it's just, uh, yeah, sometimes when you're in that academic field, that's honestly, just to be real for a second, that's just like kind of like what just, got me out of academia when I was going for bio, like my biology degree. Mm, it's just you. like, I, I feel that disdain, you know, for the, for the mainstream academia, but there is definitely a way that you can go about it without having to, uh, you know, make it difficult. But yeah, with that being said, he was claiming that the, uh, that the balanced rock is a heart, huh. like a petrified heart. And it just made me think like, on, on like the grander scale of everything with like the mountains being petrified, I have Personally, I have a difficult time. There's only bits and pieces of information that he that he presents that I really resonate with. But when I heard that piece of information specifically, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this could easily be if, per se, giants at one point lived and walked amongst the Earth. This could potentially be what he was claiming to be a giant heart. It could be a giant animal's heart. It could be some sort of... He was claiming that it would be like some sort of altar of reverence to the giant. And he's saying that that there's a he was like pointing out all the valves and shit. But it was just really cool to see that like we had our own. It was called like people say that it's a glacial erratic in the ice age, what have you. But you know, given if you've been there personally, I'm sure you have too. Like it's there's definitely something out of the ordinary happening there. So if anything, it's definitely something to speculate and have have an imagination to. Yeah, and no, I, it's um. 
it, for folks listening, it's it's easily found online, North Salem, New York, Balanced Rock. Uh, I have a photo of it on my Instagram. If folks want to see how maybe uh, the scale, you can see myself almost seven feet tall standing in front of it. So, I mean, I don't know if that helps people scale or not, knowing how tall I am, but um, might throw them off. But <laughs> when it comes to your channel, as I was saying before, your Instagram channel, you got tons of great photos of all this stuff i mean i'm working with like a six-year-old phone here so i'm not really too proud of my uh photography but you really took some beautiful uh, shots of that one and a couple of other sites i'm excited to go back to it knowing that this is a heart um even if just symbolically because now that you right. say that it is it does have that shape and who knows i mean I like to think pragmatically about all these things. You know, if these stones were put there by a glacier, I find that harder to believe than the idea that humans had a, a hand in building them, giants even. We have tons of evidence of giant skeletons in association with these stone chambers and mounds, right? So, and of course, you know, people will say, oh, well, the the way that they built them was they piled up dirt and then they pushed the boulder onto the dirt, you know, and there's stones buried under the dirt so that when they dig away the dirt or the dirt erodes over time, all that's left are the stones. And that's how they build something like that. It, you wouldn't need a giant. You just need the oxes or whatever. But, I mean, I don't, the Native Americans, they didn't have oxes, and they didn't have, you know, they, they had buffalo, but they weren't, like, putting reins on them and having them move things, you know? So, there's tons of questions and mysteries still about these sites, and, you know, what makes it tantalizing, at least for me, is that these academics do a really bad job of explaining, you know, what these things are. Uh, which just leaves a ton of room for people like us, the unwashed, uh, you know, uh, common people, if you will. We we uh, we we go in there, and I think there's tons of potential to to push the the understanding forward. Um, but yeah, Balanced Rock is interesting. Are you familiar with any of the research I did into Skull and Bones in New Haven and all that? Yeah, I've listened to a few episodes that you've talked about that. So one of the one of the things in New Haven that you might be interested in looking at, and you might have seen it uh, in my, one of my presentations, is the Beinecke Rare Manuscript Library, where they have the Voynich Manuscript and the Book of the Dead and all these other rare book artifacts. Its architectural design almost looks like a standing stone, not a standing stone, but a uh, what the balance rock is. I think they call them perched boulders. Mm -hmm. Maybe not perched boulders. There's a technical term for all the stone sites, uh, and that type has a specific name. But it's the same thing. Like They have the structure of the library propped up by these four tiny kind of like rounded triangular pyramidal shaped pillars and it looks just mm. like balanced rock where you have this massive piece of granite uh, or whatever it is on top of three smaller pieces of or four smaller pieces of granite so I, i've always wondered about that given you know the people who founded yale 
were some of the first, aside from the Dutch, to really explore this part of the world and would have likely asked the Native Americans about their stone structures and whatnot. That's right. a part of history that's a little hard to hard to to dig into because there's tons of uh, tons of biases and wars and other things that were going on. So they weren't exactly doing scientific explorations. Uh, they were doing more like mercenary explorations, if anything. But uh, but yeah, uh, I've been kind of rambling on. We really need to just sit down and have a whole episode about this topic. Dude, for real, because I was going to say, um, I'll leave this as a little breadcrumb, or like a little teaser, but I, are you familiar with King's Chamber at all? Is that in Rhode Island? It's uh, it's actually, I think it's, forget the actual town that it's in, it's right off the Taconic, and it's on a private road. You're allowed to go, it's technically private land, but you're walking on public land along a private road. So it's in New York? It's in New York, it's not, it's like in, like, yeah. I think it's off of exit 40. There's something. a Queen's Chamber in Rhode Island. That's, oh, interesting. Yeah, now that you say there's a King's Chamber, I'm like, whoa, okay, hold on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of the, is said to be the biggest stone chamber in the Northeast, or like on the East Coast of America. It's, it's supposedly fucking huge. I've tried to go there twice, and the second time I went there, it was. I'm not going to say it was like a Sasquatch experience, but it was definitely the closest thing that I could say that interacting with some entity that I had no idea was there. Oh, and man. Hold on a second. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah. let's walk back. So you, so you went to this site, got out of your car. Were you with anybody or were you by yourself? Oh, it was me and my fiance. We okay. go, we'll go on this stuff all the time together so- and, so you both go out, and what time of day, night, what time was it? It was like midday. Okay. And it was like on the back, like, first of all, when you're going in uh, to this spot, it's just a neighborhood, and it's like a backwoods neighborhood, like, it's a lot of land, it's a, a lot of lakes, that's a huge indication of where you could find stone structures, it doesn't even have to be chambers, it could be cairns, or mm. anything, standing stones, as long as it's in an area with a lot of water. That's like something that Jeff was telling me. It's like as long as there's a connection to water, that is a huge conductor of energy. So keeping that in mind, this whole area is riddled with giant lakes and streams and ponds and all that shit. So we pull up as a dirt road to the end of it. It's an Airbnb at the side, so it's vacant. No one's there. Um, and there's just a dirt road that leads into the woods. But that day or like that week, there was a giant storm. I don't know if you remember, like, uh, like their mountain got flooded. It got completely fucked. Uh, trails in the Catskills got destroyed. So, like, things were closed for a while. So there was a gushing river going through the trail right at the beginning. And we're, we, like, go up a ridge a little bit, come down around the trail. And we're about a quarter of a mile in. And we notice that there's these giant boulders. It's a huge ridge line of giant boulders and I was like holy shit I didn't realize that it was going to be like this grandiose and you're seeing cairns all over the place even driving up on the on the dirt road you're seeing little structures here and there just like little little notifiers being like oh this is definitely a very sacred place because if you see cairns and all these different there all these different things are either like mounds to honor the dead or they can be astrologically aligned for some sort of virtual practice. Who, like what, 
knows. However, like when you're walking through this place, you definitely feel a sense of heightened strangeness. And as we're walking, we're, we're just getting into the trail a quarter of a mile in, and we just started hearing these loud-ass knocks. And I was like, holy shit. Because I'm looking at the ridge, walking up to the place where we heard the knocks, I was like, I have a weird feeling. Not a bad feeling, but I'm just like, this is a feeling I've never had before, where it's like, there's no one around. It's very secluded. You can tell that no one's really been on this trail. No one really knows about it unless you're into this kind of research like we are. So you can tell no one's been there, especially with that river going. And Ariel, my fiance, hears it. And she's just like, did you hear that? And she's she's very in tune. She's practicing witch. She has a pagan background. So she's very much in tune with those energies. And we're both just standing there. And we just, we feel the presence of something up on the ridge behind the boulder. And there's just like a bunch of knocking. And the closer we get to it, because we just, we're like inching up here and there. And uh, yeah, dude. We decided to turn back because a we had to walk another three miles to get to the chamber and i already noticed that there was it could be whatever but i heard big footsteps on the other side of the trail so it was just like a lot of things that i was very uneasy about i wasn't uneasy but i was like damn even if it was like a bear like i don't really want to be here this is, this is like the the end of fall if a bear is out here you know it's hungry that's fucked. You don't really want to be in that kind of situation. So I was just like, I'm not going to put us in this. So we're going to go. And that was, I think I was at the beginning of November. So wow. I really, like, I've been dying to go back. And it's a big ass chamber. And it's actually a complex. There are a few, a few different chambers in that location. But you have to, it's a three and a half mile hike through these. It's state land, but technically it's, it's technically a closed trail. If you go on all trails, it says it's permanently closed, but it's really not. No one's checking. So, wow. That's little, my little experience. I wanted to say, you and I should go if you're open to it. If you don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. I've had similar senses in the forest, so I wouldn't feel silly about that. I think you should trust your gut always, and even if your gut's just telling you that that's possibly a bear i mean i would trust your gut right i mean some people might disagree and say no like lean into that sense because then you'll see bigfoot right and and be you know kind of your your beliefs will be confirmed but i don't know i've had my share of scares in the forest and i've always been pretty uh pretty comfortable with my decision to turn around and go home when I did. And I think people should <laughs> respect that feeling when it comes. So good on you for that. But it, it also is good to to hear that about these sites because, and uh, you know, I'd like to visit them, sure. But the, the problem is, is not everybody brings the same respect as you and I would exactly. to some of these sites. So maybe that's why these beings whatever they are bigfoot some sort of spirit i mean we've had conversations on the show very recently about how you know these sasquatch have ghost-like abilities even paranormal abilities so what if these are some sort of uh protector spirits of these sacred sites right but uh i don't find it a coincidence that i was listening to the sunbow true brother is that his name yeah, right before that. 
right before that, like two days, I was at work and I was just listening to that. And I was like, <laughs> I honestly felt safe. Like I was chilling. I didn't feel like there was any, anim- like any animosity. It was just letting us know of its presence and that they're there. And that's how I took it. I was like, that in itself was a gift, no matter what it was. So just took it for what it was. And obviously we're going to go back. So all in due time. Yeah, let's uh, let's plan for it. I hope to meet up sooner than that. Maybe we'll do like a mini exploration of a place that's like uh, right off the road. Not quite as right off the road as Balance Rock, but, you know, something we can do within an hour or two span and uh, somewhere that wouldn't be too far of a hike. And, yeah, I'm, I'm down to do that as soon as possible, especially considering uh, I might be back on the road soon with a new vehicle. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, once that happens and we reach our Patreon goal, I'm going to get a camera so I can do in-person interviews. And you're certainly on that list of people uh, to do an in-person interview with, given how close we live uh, from each other. So yeah, man, lots of great things to come in 2024. Thank you for joining me on this brief segment. Let's plan something for, uh, you know, the next couple weeks after the new year and, uh, and continue this conversation because you know this book that i mentioned already the search for lost america has tons of sites we can just kind of explore virtually and then plan like you know make a list i think king's chamber just earned its spot at number one as places to visit on the list but we definitely want to get like a list to tackle and include the audience because there's tons of listeners that live around here uh, that would want to join us for myself your fiance and my girlfriend tara uh all on the uh the trip i think we can get a whole whole squad together and really do uh, a thorough investigation but until that uh, we'll talk again soon and we're gonna go on to the next segment folks uh we'll be right back in a moment Did Aliens Invade Katsina State? Posted in April of 2023. A video showing the living skeletal structure of a strange creature has caused apprehension among residents of Katsina State. The 60 seconds clip showed the skeletal creature, which partly resembled a man but had two horns, standing on two feet by the side of a main road in a desert like environment. It stood upright and stretched backwards to give off an exhausting roar before running four feet into the desert like a philodromus. In the voiceover which accompanied the video, a man speaking both in Arabic and Hausa could be heard saying that the creature was the third demon coming around. Although the man did not mention any location, he advised residents of the area to go inside to be avoid being caught by the demon. Speaking to his companion, he urged that they entered a house to hide as the creature had seen them. But when it turned away and ran off into the desert, he concluded it was going to town. And the alien invasion is said to have occurred in the Katsina state on the 3rd of March, 2023, according to Twitter user. Another user also tweeted, if the, for- if the story is fake, why remove the video? I believe someone is hiding something. 
It was live at Ring Road Katsina. However, the police public relations officer in Katsina State Command, Isa Gambo, described the video as untrue and mischievous. Gambo said the viral video in its entirety was fake and an attempt to disrupt the relative peace enjoyed by the good people of the state by some mischievous element. The police, however, did not say how they came to the conclusion that the video was fake. Efforts by this newspaper to independently verify the video did not yield any positive result, and neither did checks for reports of alleged alien invasion in the state prior to this time. Mm. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Aerosol injection. A method of seeding the stratosphere, often referred to collectively as geoengineering. Chemtrail. Trails left by aircraft are actually chemical or biological agents deliberately sprayed at high altitudes for a purpose undisclosed to the general public in clandestine programs directed by government officials. Wow. They've been spraying toxic chemicals up in the sky containing heavy metals. When they fall to earth, you breathe them in. You got artificial nanotech inside your body, deep within. It's in your DNA, that's why you're fucking feeling grim. Your lungs have been infected by an artificial virus. You got fluoride in your brain and graphene oxide on your sinus. Wow. Water's being poisoned and your penile gland is calcified Your food is full of toxins guaranteed to make you melt inside My sixth sense is tingling, something's not right no. I can feel it in my belly and it's not nice, not nice. Fuck up Alpine, I'd rather have some frostbite Cause they're injecting everyone with graphene oxide And graphene oxide reacts with different frequencies It's a digital disorder, it's a deep disease I'm meditating in the forest, getting knowledge in my forehead I got theories in my brain, I need to teach me They modified the weather, that's called geoengineering it's a fact, you can look it up and find out for yourself Whoa. They say they're blocking out the sun because of global warming But we all really know it's all about your health Yeah. They've been spraying us for over 20 years now Why do you think that everyone's got respiratory problems? Whoa. But don't worry, don't panic, don't stress It's always a solution, it's always other options Nature has the remedy, yeah I keep on telling them 
Nature will support you, dressed like a skeleton Everybody needs an inner cleanse, that's evident Heavy metal detox, plant-based medicine Turmeric and artichokes, cilantro and seaweed Spirulina, blueberries, dandelion roots Chia seeds, milk, thistle, beetroot and basil I'm just talking facts and understanding by the truth Trails now getting widespread attention. Uh, it seemed like some mornings it was just crisscrossing the whole sky. They were just, it was just like a giant checkerboard. 2023 has been a crazy busy year for me with podcasts. Hardly had time to listen to many podcasts with all of the research I've had to do. And I imagine it's been similar for you with everything that's happened. How has We the People been in 2023? How's everything going with your show? Oh, it's fantastic, man. It's, it's nonstop. There's so much going on. 2023 has been an absolutely uh, shit show of a year. I mean, it's, it's been insane. I, I, Mark, you're like me. We've been going down these rabbit holes for a really long time. If you told a young teenage me that this is how things are be playing out, uh, even with all the knowledge and information that I had, I would have told myself I'm crazy. But it's just peak clown world right now. I've never seen anything like it. So we've been uh, very busy covering... All of the nonsense at breakneck speed, in my I feel like it's happening. I feel like everything's happening so fast. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun covering it and hanging out with my co-host, Alan, bringing on all the guests that we have on our show. We do a segment called Memes of the Week, where uh, we get to highlight all the best memes every single week. And it's really cool because, you know, the meme content has been off the charts. And in my opinion, I think it really helps with the 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 talking points that are going on in, in, in society right now. I think memes are completely shifting everything. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And it's interesting, like, because I'm conflicted. Because a lot of times what I find with memes, at least with the algorithm I get, and who knows, maybe this is intentional on the side of the algorithm, but I find that, like, less is more, the simpler memes, the funniest memes gain the most traction and those memes don't necessarily always have the most um meaning i guess but i i don't know maybe i'm just not (laughs) maybe i'm not hip maybe i'm too old for memes i don't know i feel like every every time i see some of these memes i'm like "Ah, is this the message that is being pushed out there but maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm not in the right algorithm what do you think about that is it really like less is more and they're kind of simplistic not at all. I think so. I I think some of the best memes, like some of these guys from the Dilly Meme team, they put on like almost full productions of like remakes of songs and like uh, they did a remix of uh, this guy Ramble Rance did one of Gold Digger instead of uh, I'm a Gold Digger, I'm a Vote Rigger. Like it's it, it, these memes are really making an impact on what people are talking about. And I think why is because. In today's day and age, I mean, like you said, Mark, we're, we're up there in age and we have a, uh, a bigger attention span than most people. I, maybe not me because I'm a little retarded uh, and I definitely have ADHD. <laughs> wow. But most people have a, a longer attention span uh, at our age and the, the younger generation, they don't. So when they're scrolling through a feed and they're looking at something, they're looking for something to catch their eye and, and, and keep them going. And these memes are so sh- so quick sometimes and they pack a punch of information and they get either thinking or they, they they make fun of the situation. Like, comedy is key. I really think that's a, a great way to bridge the gap between 
people that know what's going on and people that are that are just ignorant or just choose not to pay attention because if you can get them to laugh, they'll they'll pay attention a little bit more about what you're talking about rather than straight information. Like there's so many people that don't want to pay attention because news is boring and politics is boring and everything that's going on is boring. But when you see it in a in a in a comedic way, it gets them paying attention a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and I think you see, you know, certain comedians, especially this year, leaning into the whole conspiracy culture, you know, especially like people like Joe Rogan and, you know, somebody who... Russell Brand. I mean, there's so many people that are that are just coming out of the woodwork. And I, I one of my fa- one of my favorite shows on the internet is, is AKA Deep Waters with Sean, with Sam and, and Callum. That's yeah. one of my favorite shows on the internet. I love that show because it's just Sam just breaking everything down for Brian. Like he's, it's like conspiracies for dummies. And Brian's just trying to sit there and wrap his head around everything that Sam is saying and give some pushback and, and, and trying to figure out, like trying to find the flaw in Sam's logic. But every time he just, he can't do it. And it's just, it's really cool to see him. I it's very difficult today, Mark, to have any kind of hope in what's going on in the world. Like it literally like World War Three is knocking on our door, civil war is being talked about. Like all these negative things are, are happening all around us. But because I've been doing this for so long, like Mark, you remember what it was like back in the day. Like you couldn't talk to anybody anybody about this conspiracy stuff or like the Satanism or the pedof- the pedophilia. Like everybody thought you were crazy at six fucking heads. If you mentioned anything like that, now it's it's commonplace. Now everybody's talking about it. Like my my Christmas dinner, everybody was talking about the Epstein client list, and it, I was so surprised because these people were, uh, you know, very very you know fast asleep at the wheel. All of them were fast asleep at the wheel, and every single one of them, like I thought they would think, oh yeah, we're getting the Epstein client list. Yay, we're finally getting it. Because in reality, and you probably know just as well as I do, that's not going to be the case. And this is what everybody was saying at Christmas dinner. Like, yo, I guarantee everybody that, that they show us on their list is dead. Like, it's going to be a bunch of nobody. It's going to be a giant nothing burger just to appease us. And I never thought that these type of people that were fast asleep at the wheel would come to that conclusion. I thought they'd be like, like the sheep cheering on. Like, oh, yay, we're finally getting it. They're giving us what we want. Good job, government. And, and it was the complete opposite. So people are waking up at record numbers and, and they're seeing the corruption and not just the corruption, the, the pure evil that's right in front of our face. Like it's right. They like, you're shoving it down our throats, Mark. It's, it's insane. And I think that's the most crazy thing that I covered this year. And that's what you asked me to, to think about before I came on was how much they're shoving this evil down our throats. So blatantly obvious, like back in the day, Mark, it used to be very subtle. Like, they used to suddenly put it in movies and suddenly put it in TV shows and in the pop culture. And now they're, they're full-on setting a bathroom in, in the government's office. Cosmopolitan is literally talking about how we're doing Sam Alito's satanic abortion center in New, New Mexico. And this is the Cosmopolitan magazine teaching young girls how to do satanic rituals with abortions. Like, it, it, it's so insane. I never thought it would be so, so mainstream. It's wild. Well, yeah, and it's it's like what my the person I talked to first, the first caller on the show here, Yoshi, said. It's like, you know, everybody's getting fucked. The kids are getting fucked. This boomer generation of people that 
really, I, I mean, I don't know where you stand on this conversation, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, but it does feel like there's a generation that we're seeing, they can't come to grips with the consequences of their actions, right? And the years and years of the economy going in the direction that it's gone, they, they have a huge disconnect and they blame it on the younger generations. They take no culpability, they, you know, the boomers, basically, right? And so the yep. kids are being fucked on this, like, <laughs> on this really society-wide level. And it's sickening, you know, from the graphic, explicit, literal interpretation of that to the, you know, homeless crisis, the drug crisis, and so on. I mean, the kids are getting oh, yeah. fucked and while these boomers are retiring in million-dollar mansions. One thousand percent. And, you know, it's very, I, I think it's a, almost, a, personally, I think it's almost scapegoat to blame the boomers. That's like a very surface level because they definitely hold responsibility for the current state of what's going on. But you know just as well as I do, the corruption that's been going on inside of these governments, inside of these corporations, inside of these organizations. Like, when you find out that every single major business and corporation and company pays quarter million or half a million dollars to be a part of the World Economic Forum and you wonder how all these companies are walking in lockstep with these crazy transgender agendas and shutting everything down. Right. I think there's there's a lot I, I think there's a lot more to it than just saying, Oh, the boomers let it happen. They just you know, they, they, they were enjoying the fruits of the labors and they neglected what was important. They were paying attention to, you know, things that didn't matter and, you know, just elected these these officials. But I think, you know, they've been rigging these elections for well before, you know, the 2020 election. They've been doing it for a very, very long time. And I think that they, they, they were going to get the people that they wanted into, into power regardless. And if they didn't, they were going to blackmail those people to do what they want. You know, blackmail is a huge part of what happens in, in, in politics, in Hollywood, in any industry. So to, to just put the entire blame on the boomers is, I think, uh, a lazy argument. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely part of the problem because they could have done more and stood up to uh, the corruption and, you know, stop, you know, going, getting off of a, a gold standard and stop all of the things that are currently causing so much havoc to the younger generations. But at the same time, there's so many evil people that have an agenda that, that, genuinely want us to be demoralized they want to depopulate the nation they 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 want us to be literal slaves to them and that's really what you know a nine to five is that's what the industrial revolution is it it turned everybody into into slaves we're working for the government half more check gets taken and and given to the government for them to do what send it over to ukraine so they can launder it back into their pockets so they can send 10 million dollars over to pakistan for gender studies like you know, I, I I I think that there's a way bigger agenda than just putting it on the all the blame on the boomers. But yeah, they, the boomers suck, dude. They they fucked us big time. They definitely fucked us. Don't get me wrong. It it it, it, it could have been stopped. They they could have uh, came like think think about everything in life. Like the the boomer generation before the boomer generation. Like my great grandmother or my grandmother, she cooked everything in the house, and there was no fast food. It didn't exist. So they like they they you know kept everything fresh and canning and like they grew they had gardens and gardens and they did everything organically. Now with our parents' generation, the boomer generation, everything was fast food, TV dinners. So 
they got a little bit of it growing up, but it really hit our generation the most because they were the, the boomers or the parents. And they're like, oh, let's go to fast food. Let's, you know, real quick. And they switched over to seed oils and they pushed all this shitty food on us that caused all these health issues, you know, the mortgage, everything. We can go on and on about all the decisions that these boomers made that caused younger generations tons and tons of issues. But at the same time, I'm not the type of person that plays the victim. You know, I think that's a, a big problem in society today that we just, you know, play this victim like, oh, it's not our fault. And if we continue to push blame on older generations or things that happened in the past instead of just trying to fix what we can we can put on our plate and actually take care of, like watching our diet and becoming our best selves and, and trying to bring society back to a constitutional republic, to a gold-backed standard and, and, you know, fight against the tyranny that we face today, then, then, then we should. But if we're going to sit there and play the victim, everybody's going to be like, ah, oh, it's not our fault. Who, who's going to fix it? You know, it, 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 it's not up to me. It's not my fault. Why even bother? You know? I completely agree, man. And I'm like, when I'm, what I'm hearing you say is not really that we need to blame the, the boomers. And, I mean, to that degree, not to play the victim. But I think, you know, each generation takes a blame in their own respect in different ways you know uh no question when it comes to the boomers though they were the first to be hypnotized by this uh jetson's vision of a global technological future and that you know whole progress dream i think has kind of rusted away at this point in time and people are really starting to question like obviously space we haven't been there asset and all this crap that warner von braun well and that's that's what it comes down to is you know people are waking up as you said with this you know with what you know you your answer was for the craziest thing about 2023 it's like the veil has kind of lifted more than ever and i wonder if these occultists these elites whoever they may be the they's that are pushing all the they's into the transgender transhumanist agenda Zionists well exactly yeah and look at what's going on since October on that note but no kidding you know, what do you, do you think that they're sort of ramping it up in the sense that they know that people are doing taking the necessary steps to take back their sovereignty so they're I guess I don't know uh pushing the dial to overdrive or something to kind of pump these uh, these symbols well, out on a, on a larger scale, so to speak. I, I 100% think that's the case, but I think it's a, a multifaceted answer. I think there's a lot that plays into it, and it goes back uh, to what you what we were saying earlier. These, these elites, they have an agenda that they've been trying to carry out. They want us completely controlled and you know they had total control of information what you were saying earlier our parents are the first generation to really fall for this dream american dream and i think that coincides very bigly with you know technology i think you know they had tv radio and they were able to push this agenda operation mockingbird was the 70s that's our parents generation like they were pushing all these cia ops onto our parents and brainwashing their, their social engineering programs and MK Ultra, I think was scaled up big time, not just to select few individuals, but 
to the entire world, entire society. And that's how we get the Stockholm syndrome and these people that are so dependent and they, they defend the government with every single fiber of their body. Like they would never do anything wrong to, to the public. They, they always have our best interests in hand. And I think technology was a huge tool for them. But I also think, you know, technology got away from them. If you, you know, studied anything about social media, I'm sure you're aware of LifeLog and how, what that, what that became, what turned into Facebook, you know, the CIA opt to literally not find out what we're doing on an every single day basis and follow us. And, you know, we do it willingly now with Facebook and social media. But I think social media got away from them. You know, they tried. So I think because of social media, we it's like a double-edged sword. Social media sucks. And I don't know about you. I go back in a heartbeat to like pre-social media, pre-cell phone, like like the good old days, mm. you know, a little, little bit of tech, you know, a little bit just so like for the convenience, like AC, things like that. But like just for societal purposes, I would love to go back to the, to the old days um, without that kind of social media stuff. But it, it, it got away from them. We were able to share information at breakneck speed that they never thought that we'd share. Like they, like previously it was just like a few of us that were screaming at the, the mountaintops and like, message boards and like talking to our friends about all this crazy shit that was going on well, and, and now everyone that the only smart people were in their institutions when the, they, the bingo people, the common man who worked a trade and had a had a, a hard-ass job who made money and took care of his family had a philosophical bone in his brain too you know and these are the types of people that have really pushed this conversation forward when it comes to sovereignty the constitutional republic that we've lost thanks to the uh, federal government i mean you look at some of the authors that kind of broke the mold when it comes to conspiracy culture and they're they're people who are outside of the traditional sphere of what academia conser- considers a smart person, you know? No question. And not only that, the rat race is designed to make sure people don't have time to do that. Like, right. society as a whole, like, people work 70, 80, 90 hours a week just to put food on their table. They get home, like my father, he's one of those old school conservatives, you, you, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religions, he works 80 hours a week, he gets home from work, he wants to just sit back drink a glass of wine, eat some cheese, and watch the game and go to sleep and rinse and repeat. Like, he doesn't want to sit down and research all the things that the news is not telling him because the news isn't telling you shit. He has no time for that. Like, it, it takes it takes effort to, to be informed and to know what's going on. And because of how the system is designed, it's completely designed to keep us ignorant. It's completely designed, like, sports, bread and circus, the Roman Empire, we, you know, it's as old as time. I think there's a place in society for those things, but also at the same time, not at the detriment of the good of humanity, you know? And I really think that technology, because it allowed us to share information at at such fast speed, and they had to go into hyperdrive and censor everything. They, like, it was so bad, the censorship from 2020 to to what's, what's going on today. And even before 2020, it was getting bad. I'm sure you remember when the internet was the Wild West and you could literally find government documents and search everything. And it was like pretty easy to find. And now it's next to impossible. If you look, you know, the World Economic Forum, they just came out and they're like, yeah, we Googled what climate change one time. And they were like, yeah, everything that came up was factually wrong. So we had to literally pay Google money to make sure that all of the searches, search came to our side. Like they have total control over what's going on. 
And they're like, oh yeah, man bear pig is totally real. See, here it is. Here's the information. And 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 even though they have that much control, we were able to share other information and get it out there quick enough and use Telegram, use all these alternative apps when they censored us to still get this information out. And now people are wide awake and sharing it left and right. And it's the cool thing to be the conspiracy guy. It has flipped. It's kind of strange because when I was younger and in high school, you know, I, I hate to sound like a hipster, some sort of variation of that, but there was a, a, a black sheep level to this type of stuff that I really appreciated because it was like a thing where you could really understand somebody. If you mentioned something like 9-11 in 2013, you know, people, a certain oh, yeah. type of person would have a response that would tell you a lot about them and that's how I made yep. some really good friends especially you know living on the east coast with the whole sandy hook situation i mean that, oh, yeah. that was a big mind mind wipe for people living in this particular state that i'm in but yeah, oh, yeah. It, it became it became this trendy thing thanks to you know comedians entertainers podcasters I don't know that that's necessarily a, a good thing, as we talked about earlier with the low attention span. But I think you have a great point on the sense that it's pushing the conversation forward. It's waking more people up. These memes, is, as as simple as they might seem to me, actually do have a lot more value, as you pointed out. They have a huge, huge impact, and they and they push the narrative in the right direction, in my opinion. I mean, look at perfect example. Perfect example is Ron DeSantis, Meatball Rob. I call him. He was he was the talk of the town in politics. Everybody loved him. Like he was just being propped up on this pedestal, and then all of a sudden, he decided to go against Donald Trump and run in the primary. And now he's hated in his own state because he promised. He was going to be the, be a for, uh, an active governor. It, it got someone who was going to be there, and everybody saw it through his bullshit. And it wasn't because the news tried to tear him down. The news propped him up. Everybody in the mainstream media was trying to prop him up. He's endorsed by Jeb Bush. He's endorsed by the Koch brothers. Like all these people want him want him to be the guy. And because of memes, his entire political career is destroyed, and he'll never get another shot in politics ever again. At, at least with with. American first, the people that want want our Constitution restored, our Republic restored. All because of memes. Well, and I think the the growing number of people who listen to shows like ours just proves it. I mean, I'm oh, seeing no question. more and more podcasts start. And, you know, what's funny is a lot of those podcasts that are kind of mirror images of what media used to be, you know, like the reality show podcasts or the the vain celebrity podcasts. They don't have the same lifespan that a podcast like No Agenda, Tinfoil Hat. You know, these shows yep. have been around for seven, ten years and are only continuing to grow. Like, they're not losing traction. They're not losing audiences. I don't, uh, you know, if some, if a conspiracy podcast ends, it's typically 
due to something in that person's life. You know, they're, they're done yes. with the topic or or they're, they're just, you know, maybe went a little too far off the deep end to something. But typically it's never because, oh, yeah, I'm not getting enough listens. And I think that just speaks to the – it speaks to the, the – the dilemma inside of everybody, whether they recognize it or not. And I think what happens is people who experience this waking up and, you know, the left tried to derail that by coming up with their term woke. But when people start to wake up to what's really going on in the world, it's like it's like keys are are given to them that unlock portions of their brain. And, you know, I think we're just like... And I'm guilty of this too. Like I could be judgmental sometimes, but I think people in general don't get enough credit for how mer- like marvelous the human mind can be, you know? Like oh yeah, back to the point about like institutions and academics and people who think they're so intellectual. You know, those folks are stunted as far as what it what it they're takes to live a, a normal human life on the earth. If you took any one of those people after they they spent their four years in one of these schools and plopped them in the middle of a village somewhere in rural anywhere, they're going to have a hard time assimilating. And that, that should tell you something. Oh, no question. And and what I love the most, Mark, is not just that the average American is waking up to what's going on to the evil with politics and in the world and, and economics and you know that whole thing. I'm more excited about the fact that people are realizing that our food companies are trying to poison us. I'm so excited that people are finally reading the back and reading ingredients and getting fed up with the bullshit that they're feeding us because they want to poison us and, and they want us dependent on big pharma. Right. And, and, and it's now like it, it, it's now become a giant movement to, to try to get off the grid and to try to eat as organically as possible and to cut out all the processed foods. And it's now a huge movement that even two years ago, before pre 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 China virus, no one gave a shit about. Nobody was caring. Now, like like everybody is aware of the seed oils and and the garbage that they're putting in our food, and it's now become a popular well, conversation to have. I'll tell you what, I could see it in this area I just moved to in Connecticut. I go to sometimes I'll drive by the Stop and Shop where they barely sell any organic food. And it's empty compared to the Whole Foods or the ShopRite that now is like, you know, leaning into the more organic options. Like there, all these stores that used to just have the conventional stuff are opening up organic sections to their. I mean, that should tell you something. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and like pe- people are 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 using you know butter and ghee and what's it called. Raw milk. Uh, I love raw milk. Well, a lot of people are looking for raw milk. Absolutely. No, it starts with a, it starts with a, a W. I'm drawing a, it. It's beef, it's beef fat. Tallow. They're using tallow. Oh, okay. Um, the, you know, a lot of people are getting rid of the seed oils. They're throwing them out. They're not using canola oil, and they're paying attention to what they're putting into their body. And I think, you know, it's a huge issue. Like, really think about it. They they have oh, since our the boomer generation, they have been shoving TV dinners and all these processed <laughs> yeah. foods down our throats and you know you look at the pictures of people on the beach in the 70s they're all all in shape like no there's no fat people in sight there's not a fat person anywhere and and you look at people now 
everybody is fat and overweight and obese and sick and unhealthy, and they're just giving money to Big Pharma. And this is exactly what they want. And not only when people are fat and unhealthy are they easier to control, but they're not going to be able to fight back or even be clear-headed enough to realize that they're being manipulated and controlled by the people that are in power. Mm, mm. So it's at the, at the root cause. Like This is a root problem that people are now finally trying to attack and get better at in their personal life. Like if everybody was eating healthier, everybody is watching what they put in their body and their kids' bodies, like think about how much clear-headed you'll be. Like you wouldn't have that brain fog. Like uh, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't be as tired. Your joints wouldn't hurt as much because you're eating healthy and your body's getting the proper nutrients that it needs. And we're going to see all the evil that's around us much clearer. Right, right. Yeah, man, it's it's a huge point of tension with me and my family, hence why my family thinks I'm crazy. I remember when I first started getting into uh, this alternative way of living, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> they would all like treat me like I was some sort of special, you know, sensitive person. They're like, oh, he's a vegan now. And I'm like, I'm not even vegan. Like, I just like eating clean food, you know, like I like or yeah. And that was such a hard like. They became. They were almost insulted. Like, do you think our food is dirty? And I'm like, no. I think you're just not aware of how all of the food at the grocery store is contaminated with things that Everything. you shouldn't be eating. And then, then they're like, well, you're paying more money to go to Whole Foods. Don't you realize that that's like? And I'm not even like. Don't get me wrong. Whole Foods is the last place on my list as far as like healthy options there's better options yeah, you can go straight to the source like the rancher right. or the farm exactly. like, you're, you're much better but the, that's the main uh complaint that i get from my mother or somebody who you know in my family that talks to me about that kind of thing and i'm like listen you're spending more money on food because the food you're buying and eating is not nutritionally compensating the amount of resources you're spending to to pay for it so like i'm actually eating less food spending less money on food because the food i'm eating is going further for me you know it's doing more for the dollar i'm putting in more it. more nutrient dense you're more satiated you're not eating as much yeah. your body feels good but it's it, 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 it's it's not just that I think about it. They want you paying at the doctor. Like you eat this crap now, it may be cheaper for you now, but 10, 20, 30 years down the road when you're battling cancer, you're battling all, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or any of these, these ailments that come up, Alzheimer's, whatever happens, it's it, 99% of the time directly correlated with your diet. Like these things didn't exist when people were eating whole foods, when people were eating, you know, farm to table. And, and not this or this, this shitty food. Like if you look at graphs at you know at diabetes, at cancer, at heart disease, and you look at how, how much it skyrocketed in human beings in the United States from the time that they introduced canola oil and seed oil, it's a direct correlation. It's like they go hand in hand. It's, it's unbelievable. And you're like, wait a second, wait, we were just eating like they they demonize. Look what they did to butter. Like my mother to this day thinks butter is so bad for you. She's like, butter is the worst thing for you, James. You should not be eating butter. I'm like, wow, we have been eating butter for before anybody was around. Like, and like forever. Literally, we've been but like, what's so bad about milk that we just fucking churned the shit out of? Like, what's so bad or the cream? I should say that it comes directly from the cow that we've been eating forever. 
Like, literally, since the dawn of time, we have been eating butter. Like, if you're going to eat this shit fake butter that's been processed, sure, that's bad for you. But if you're going to eat organic raw butter, best thing for you, or even make your own butter, the best thing for you. It's yeah. way better than any, any any seed oil that you're going to eat, even 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 an olive oil. You know, I, I, I'd throw olive oil in as, as okay. Italians have been eating olive oil for as the, since the dawn of time. But make sure you're getting good, authentic, not processed olive oil. Like, right, right. You know? Well, and it's a shame, you know, you have so many people that just, and especially with restaurants, they take this for granted, especially cheaper restaurants. They're using the lowest quality oil because it's all about making, you know, making yep. ends meet. So you may buy the healthiest version of olive oil for your home kitchen, but anytime you go out to eat, maybe you go to a Chinese food restaurant, I guarantee you they are going to the cheapest place in town to buy the cheapest oil. oil. <laughs> and not yeah, just canola oil. oil, but like, yeah, it's basically, you could, you'll, they dig it out of sewers in China and reuse it. Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. motor oil. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so. disgusting. But James, but, we, we, I blocked out two, two call times for you because I knew we were going to go long. I love talking to you. You're a G. You're on the money with all of this, and that's why I always recommend people listen to We the People Radio. Uh, but we Appreciate gotta, you. We got to schedule. We got to schedule a time for us to just kick back and talk for a full podcast. You, maybe get into this whole food conversation because there's so much to get into with this. Mark, any any time, dude. I love hanging out with you. I love I love your content. You're you're absolutely crushing it when you're when you're posting your numbers, dude. I'm so pumped to see how well your show is doing. You know, I remember when you started it way, way back in the day, you were one of the OGs, one of the first people that I met in this movement that I was able to go back and forth with and have a great conversation with. So I always appreciate you having me on, dude. And we got to do the same. I, I got to get, we, we got to schedule something in the new year. I want to have you on, talk some occult, talk some skull and bones. We'll talk some weird, we'll get weird and have some fun with you. So I know you know your stuff. Right on. Maybe this, maybe this time the fucking the demons won't distort the microphone. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, and I have a huge goal for 2024 to do some in-person podcasts, and you are on my short list of people to do an in-person podcast with, whether it's when you come back over to the East Coast, or maybe I will journey out towards the rest of America and yeah you're on my list of people to visit well I might I might be home in I might be home in April it's very tough for me to travel because I have a handicapped dog so it's very difficult for me to travel but I might be home in April because it's a family so maybe we could do something then if not you're welcome out in Vegas anytime yet awesome awesome we'll be in touch and yeah I definitely want to make my way out there I want to visit Sam in LA before he gets out of that hellhole and Vegas is surely going to be a pit stop on that journey so because I don't I'm not flying folks okay so if you want to see Mark travel across the country and visit all my amazing podcast friends sign up on the Patreon right now support for as little as five dollars and while you're at it go over to We The People Radio Support them. They're on Rumble. They're on all the alternative places. Bands are everywhere, everywhere else. Well, yeah. And so while we're at it, tell the folks where they can find your show. Obviously, you guys have an RSS feed. The podcast feed's still out there. Yeah, we're kicked off of Spotify, but we're on Apple still. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Podbean as far as the audio goes. But we're live every Tuesday and Friday, 8.30 Eastern on Rumble. Just search We The People Radio. We'll come right up. We're live every Tuesday, Tuesday and Friday. 
So come and hang out in the chat world. It's a lot of fun. We love to gangbang on the government and talk shit. Nothing is more fun to us. Uh, and we have a lot of fun. So, Mark, well, I look forward to having you on. We're going to do something in the new year. You're a wealth of knowledge, dude. Uh, Thank you, brother. Fo- follow us on Instagram, We the People Radio, with periods in between each word. Or Twitter, WPRUSA17 is our Twitter handle. Come and hang out. Say hi. Tell, you, uh, tell, tell me you heard us on from Mark's podcast. And yeah. love to hear from you guys. Yes, please do. And one last thing. I wanted to ask you about this. I was just on Twitter today, and I'm like, geez, so many people have blue check marks. What do you think of Twitter now with Elon and all that? Do you like Elon? you dislike Elon? What are your thoughts real quick on him? So I don't trust him at all. I think he, he bought Twitter not just not for free speech. I think free speech is just like his his marketing strategy to get people to support him. Personally, I think he's getting all the data from Neuralink. But at the same time, I'm a big believer in message over messenger. Uh, sadly, society is so brainwashed to idolize celebrities, athletes, and people uh, you know people that they think are important that they put in front of us. And uh, when these big big names and faces and brands start talking about important things that make an impact, it makes a much bigger impact than, than you or I. So I think the things that he was, he's saying right now and the things that he's talking about are fantastic. Twitter is definitely not a free speech platform. My co-host got nuked twice already. It's, it's, I'm very shadow banned on there still, but I think it's much better than what it was. I think it's definitely a place where we can spread information and share information like wildfire, um, much faster than Instagram or, or any meta product. Um, cause you can't share anything on there. It's, it's brutal, but I, I don't trust Elon. I, but I do, I do like the things that he's been doing and I, I give him a ton of credit and respect for that. Well, right on. It's good to get your opinion on that. I think that's well said. I personally will never pay $8 a month to Elon or anyone to have some sort of uh, blue check mark. Uh, I don't know. Well, I think that's I, up to- I, I thought I, I, I thought about that. I, I almost didn't do it. But uh, personally, I saw it as a business expense because of what we do. Like if I didn't have a show and I didn't need if I didn't need social media to market. And because of how censored Instagram is, like less, less, I have forty thousand followers on Instagram, less than two hundred people see my stories. It's it's a disaster. So I needed a way to reach audiences. So I figured with the additions of longer tweets and you know being propped up in the algorithm, it was worth the eight dollars a month or what I spent the yearly the yearly price just for the show. The reasons like I, I'm not getting premium plus, like it's so ridiculous. Like fuck that. But I think. You know, as a business expense because of what I'm doing. Unfortunately, these are the tools that we have available to us. You know, and everywhere you go, there's going to be evil and some corrupt people involved in it. You know, we're paying Verizon, we're paying all these fucking sick companies. They're involved in this evil shit. You know, an extra eight bucks isn't going to kill me. Well, I stand corrected and I apologize. I didn't know. I wasn't saying that because I was like looking at your blue check mark or anything. I didn't know whether you. Oh, I know. No, I, I, know, <laughs> but, I know what you were saying. I, I, okay, I, I cool, think, cool, cool. So I got, cool. I got thick skin, dude. You're, you're no, going to okay, be cool. a lot more to fucking offend well, me. Well, as you're saying that, as you're saying knew, that, I'm I knew almost... you were making a, gen, a, gen, a general statement. Okay. And I, and I thought like I, I think like you when I'm like not doing my show. Like that's how I would normally think. But because of what I do, I'm like fuck. Like. 
I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Like, I need a tweet. I need longer tweets. Uh-huh. Like, well, and as you're saying that, I'm like, shit, he's making a really good case for it. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna do it too. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's a different conversation. We'll talk about that. I'm sure. Yeah, bro, you got my uh, number, man. Hit me, up, hit me up anytime. It's an open line, dude. I will, and I look forward to it. And I wish you a happy New Year, brother. All well to your your family, your loved ones, your co-hosts on We the People Radio. And uh, yeah, I look forward to joining you there, and I look forward to scheduling a time for you to come back here, and we'll get into this uh, this conversation that I think is really it it's predicated on everything else we talk about, which is what goes in and out of your body. You know, it's not just ideas; it's the food, the air, yep. and the water, all of it. So we'll all talk about that. All encompassing, my friend. Everything is connected. Well. Well said, beautiful points made. James, your champion of the people, We the People Radio is where to find them. And we're going to go on to our next segment. And uh, yeah, we'll see you there, folks. Two Brazilian tourists in Peru were saved before indigenous Peruvians killed them for being pelicares or pistacos, which are mysterious face peelers believed to tear off the faces of their victims, cut their throats, and strip them of their fat to sell. The two men were surrounded by 200 locals after taking a picture with a cell phone and were about to be strung up and lynched when two Peruvian national police officers appeared, called for backup from eight more officers, and finally rescued them. Now, I would imagine that these indigenous Peruvians aren't familiar with technology possibly and the tourists had cameras and stuff which made the indigenous think that they were these face peelers but I mean how creepy is that face peelers and I don't know I don't speak Spanish to know whether pedicadas or pish tacos is Spanish or if it's an indigenous language term because there's tons of indigenous languages in Peru and all over South America but it obviously translates to face peelers so what do you think of that Roman? (laughs) Uh, No thank you Uh, dear sweet sweet cream cream of the crop I would not like to do that it sounds like children of the corn uh, next level Peruvian style I've heard of a lot of insane stories from the the Central and South America when it comes to uh, like spiritual stories like that or like creature stories like that's actually something to consider as doing many segments on things that happen in like Central and South America I think because like energetically just how people live their lives down there and how life is lived in that region of the world which is just vastly different to our own culture here in America um, Asian culture, European culture right, it's just completely different that's a whole episode right there brother, we gotta move on to the next segment
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.